Previously on Martini Giant. Yeah. I would agree if that is someone that's actually listened to this podcast. Oh, I'm you like, listen to our podcast? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> but but not the ones that I mentioned on. Just definitely not. I, I, I proposed to an old writing partner of mine years ago that we go in and, you know, you pitch to agents and uh, to pitch two different films. Mm-hmm. So he would be there. I'd be like, okay, girl, Plains of Ohio. Okay, grandmother is taking care of her. Okay. Bill? Yes. Space cargo ship <laughs> going towards the moon. As they approach them, and the, the agent's yeah. like, okay, wait. Okay, so I'm on the planes with the girl. Okay, I got that. Next. You're, we're in space, right? Okay. But they don't know who's a spy on the ship. Back to Eric. She decides to take a Greyhound bus to Chicago, and she wants to learn how to play like an old blues man. Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 29 which is the 2001 film The Chateau. The in English, Chateau in French. Yes, it is two different words, two different languages, and this film is an amazing film that I love. In fact, I'm the one who introduced it to the group. Uh, It is a film that probably most people have never seen because it only played in about seven theaters, but it is absolutely fantastic and very, very entertaining and very funny. It is directed by Jesse Peretz, and it's starring Paul Rudd and Romani Malco. And oh, that's on the American side of it. And on the French side of things, we've got Sylvie Tesdo, Didier Flamand, the, uh, Marie Verdi, and Philippe Noir. And uh, I think it's a pretty entertaining film. It's a basically a mashup of American comedy and French drama, all done in an extremely low-budget film, uh, extremely funny. Uh, and the guys, you know, seem to really enjoy it. Uh, I, just, you know, anyway, we'll get into that and you guys will listen to it. What is also interesting is that we end up, as we do in most Martini Giant uh, podcasts, talking about other things. One of the major things we end up talking about is big film franchises. And specifically, we end up talking about uh, Terminator Dark Fate and the fate with which that film got released. Um, and uh, we make a lot of assumptions about Tim Miller and uh, his feelings about it and why he got involved in Dark Fate. But uh, if you guys want to actually hear what Tim has to say, guess what? I recorded a podcast with Tim uh, actually just yesterday. And in a few weeks, it'll be out probably sometime in January. uh, And you guys can hear straight from the horse's mouth what Tim feels uh, his thoughts are on uh, the Terminator films. Um, And you can see if uh, we were right. And we talked about it on this podcast. It would be a good juxta- juxtaposition to put those two, uh, those two podcasts back to back. All right, guys. Please enjoy The Chateau. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, I was talking about with Justin Denson yesterday, who, by the way, I think we all agree would be great on the podcast. That would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Justin uh, basically uh, said it was like bullshit because Friday – there was articles coming out about it bombing, and it just came right. out on Friday. Right, like right, they right. D- didn't even give it a chance. Yeah, I mean they they know they like they know they know the tracking, you know, plus or minus whatever it is by Friday. Um, but like it was that people. I think that there are a lot of people who wanted that to not do well, and the the, Why? Glo- the gloomsters were like, "Why? I don't know. I don't know. I think that there was the tone of like, let's not have this do well, and they they don't want this to be a thing. And I, I do you think it's. Uh, do you think – here's a question. 
Because of, what is it, Alita or Battle Angel or whatever, right? right. Which I loved, which I thought was great. It was, it was okay. Mm-hmm. And I, by the way, nice I, think her, I think her acting was good. Yeah, she's – well, yeah, I should put it this way. I loved her so much that even though it's a corny and kind of ridiculous movie, yeah. I had a great time. Because I, she I agree. was great. Agreed. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, have you guys seen Undone on Amazon yet? Oh, yeah. It's spectacular. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, which she one is, is so that? good? That's the animated one, the uh, Roto animated one. Roto oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's gorgeous. It's great, and Beautiful. she's great. She's yeah. great. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I think that like with Alita not necessarily doing super great. Yeah, well, it's sort of it's sort of do you think right Ava- in the middle. Do you think Avatar is going to do good? I think Avatar is going to. Okay, I'm going to eat my words on this. I think it's going to be a fucking giant ex- like explosion again. I think we're going to like. I think it's going to hit again, and everyone's going to be like. I can't believe he did it again. It's as if he doesn't do it every single time. Okay. Like, and, and that's because, and I think this is the real thing. It's like, you know, um, Avatar, once the, once the machine gets going to start advertising Avatar, uh, adver- adver- advertising Avatar, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be, the, the curiosity factor is going to be irresistible. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that's what happened with Avatar. And like, I remember like giant think pieces being written about Avatar going, well, you can't do it again. No, it's not going to work this time. And then it was fucking gigantic. You know, it's like, I think the thing that uh, hurt Terminator was uh, the, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know myself whether it's any, I heard it was okay. It was good, mm-hmm. you know, but the advertising made it seem exactly like the last two bad movies. Like it felt totally exactly the same. Yeah. And I think that, that, that is, it, it's as dead as it can be. You know, mm. and I think that the it didn't separate itself from the other two. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I 100 percent agree with that. I didn't see the movie, yeah. but I did see all the trailers. Right, and it just looks and like it just seemed like the crap, boring, big budget yeah. nonsense. You know, and, and they look old. Yeah, this is the thing. It's like, and I, and I tweeted about this. I was like, you gotta have like, if you want that franchise to actually succeed, you have to cut all of the baggage that it is now currently made up of. Yeah. You know, like, and that's what he could have done. Yeah. Tim Miller. Yeah. It's like this, the, the, you need to make that, like that needs to be a, well, I mean, I'm wondering, I mean, I'm wondering how much, uh, you know, between Tim and, and, uh, James Cameron, I'm wondering how, where that balance of, Decision making. Oh yeah, I mean it's hard. I mean it's hard to. I mean like I think <laughs> James Cameron is obviously he's got, you know, what James Cameron wants is what James Cameron's going to want. <laughs> you right. know, like that's Here's what's the happening. Thing. I, I was telling my wife over the weekend. Can you hear me? I can. Are we recording? That um yeah we're recording. God damn idiot. it, <laughs> you fool! Um, I was at, I was telling her I was I was just thinking that I remember I briefly worked at his company. Mm-hmm. Like years, four years ago, and it was like for three months or two and a half months, and you know, it was you know like a fraternity a little bit. But it, the point is, <laughs> it, it was. Um, but he's a dynamic guy, and he's you know got a great eye, and he's a dynamic oh, he's guy. Fucking that, genius. Yeah. The guy's a genius. And so I just was like, why the fuck would this guy make such a killer movie, Deadpool, which is really an outcast kind of movie yeah, in a way? Sure. He's an outcast guy. He's not like a conforming commercial kind of corporate right. guy right. then you say i'm going to fucking work f- with james cameron like who the fuck would want to do that because you're going into the corporate well i think that, like uh, that i'm i i've never talked to tim about this <laughs> i don't know tim but it's like uh, why like, would you I, put I, yourself I, like, it's like if, if i had the opportunity if i had the opportunity to try and direct a terminator movie i would definitely be tempted to take that it's the fucking terminator it'd be awesome i know but do you think that 
you don't think that somebody who created it, who's still alive, is not going to nickel and dime you every fucking no, this day? Is, this is the – that's the issue. And I like – I don't know. I mean like I, I think It's that, not worth it. It's I like think that, I think being that Star Wars. It'd be like great, but if, then I'm going to have some stupid fucking yeah. producer like barking at me and the right. guy knows shit. Because like, I, I think that if I, if I feel that uh, that – you know, like James Cameron is going to be really in on this one this time and it could go great. I would feel like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Like I can imagine wanting to do that. It's a shell Something... game like in the subways where they mix them and there's a little piece of puff underneath yeah. one of them. <laughs> right. And you're just like, I know which one it is. Right. Oh, oh, no, this time I can't believe don't it again. Don't even stop. Yeah. Don't even stop. Go like, to the next rail car. The, uh, I don't know what the studio has over either of them, but like it's clear that – there was no way they were going to spend less than $200 million making this thing. Like that's what you have to do and you have to put Arnold in it and you have to have callbacks and you have to have fan service. And I'm just like, why is any of this here? Like none of this is what made the originals great. Like this is just like a, a like all of it. It's a like, franchise. Yeah. It's just and like, so this would is- you, after making such a unique film, jump on a franchise because you know in the end if you kept making unique films and did it your way right you'd probably have make 10 times the amount of money and less baggage but i can i can see I, all i'm saying is i can see the temptation oh like, my like, god because like i mean if like i think you could you could easily save the Turner, terminator franchise like easily save it's like save it right by uh, but, making but, it for 30 million dollars yeah, but here's the fucking thing here's like, the thing the reason I say this is because we watched the guys who made those really great Lego movies mm-hmm. go and do the Star Wars. Yeah, and they got fucked. They got fucked. Yeah, of course. And then you watch all these other guys go and work on Star Wars or for the big for Disney machine, right. and they get fucked. Right. So why, why does this like so Solo is a Solo is Star Wars. Solo bombed incredibly hard because they uh, they fired. The Lord Miller, and they put Ron Howard. Oh, I, you know, he's, he a does, he's a good director. He's a good director. We like Ron Howard. But like he came in, like he just comes in to like repair he's, this thing and you know like repair the. He's Harvey Keitel in in. He's the wolf. Yeah, exactly. He's the, he's wolf. the wolf, right? From uh, what's it called? Yeah, Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. So, like, that's what he, he is. He comes in and he tries to sew the thing together and push it out onto the water and it sinks. Well, what do you expect? Like the thing was he pretty doesn't much care. Done. You know, making yeah, like three hundred thousand a week or something ridiculous. But like for these for these giant companies to continue to make the same mistake where you're just like. No, if we if we just uh uh keep on punching the fan service button and dumping cash on it, like it's gonna be a winner. Jeez, but nope. you see, the hierarchical <laughs> structure of those corporations are people who are politically good mm. and uh, cunning and they went to good schools right. and they're working their way up right. for money and power. They don't fucking care about you, the artists coming in. Right. If you, and that's where it all is now. Right. Now, now for for Cameron, I have no idea what his level of involvement is in the movie, but like for Cameron, and uh, you know, to uh, I like I'm I'm credited in this movie. I worked on it for a little bit, and uh, like I don't know how much he, invo- he was involved in. I know that he's deeply involved in Avatar, so I can't imagine that he's like, you know, every day on the set of Terminator. No, no, <laughs> right? but it's not then even from that, the though. from the company's point of view, from the corporate point of view. Why would you get Tim Miller to make this movie if you're going to make a big shitty franchise movie? Like, why hire that guy? That's well, but why fall because for he's that going, he's going he's going to make uh, like you don't an know. innovative. They could have said, movie. "We want you to run with this," right? And all of a sudden, you see on the CC emails, Jim Cameron, Jimmy, right, right, uh, right. Cam- Jimmy C, right. and all of a sudden he's piping in about the second act structure. And really? you don't like, know that. I I'm just I, saying. The, I'm not saying this as a fact. I'm saying that it can I don't easily think happen. I think if, if like James Cameron is, you know, like the guy's 
the guy makes great movies and he knows how to do it. So like, I feel like that's, yeah, that's probably not the problem. I think, that, I think that the, the owners of the rights to Terminator as a giant franchise somehow took whatever they made. Maybe Tim made a great movie. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, but somehow they took what he made and advertised, uh, the last two shitty movies again. And I was like, I don't, I'm, I'm not in a rush to see that again because those movies were terrible. And you should know from the fact that they were both terrible in exactly the same way. You should not make that movie again. Like, but they advertise. It's exactly. The, I looked at the advertisement. I was like, "This is indistinguishable." But here's the, from the here's, last two here's fucking the thing. Movies. And but this is this is what an interesting thing is. And obviously, it didn't happen this mm-hmm. way because you're saying the advertising is wrong. Yeah. But the what they were. Can spo- I fi- hold on? Just I haven't said a word. But God, would you shut up for hold God's sake? I'm, 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 I'm just offended. talk more in the podcast. I'm mouthing off here. <laughs> here so is, the point is, he made Deadpool, and I know the story how, right. how he made it. It was really hard. A lot of people said no. Right. And he he's a fighter, and, and he, he fucking pushed it by making a, but, a short film yes. that was incredibly dynamic, and that convinced everybody. Yes, but he right? understands the tempo of mm-hmm. what fans want. A unique Absolutely. creating unique art and Absolutely. artist because he's a unique artist, right. right? But then he goes up against the machine that's like, no, no, we know what we're doing. Right. Obviously, they they said that because mm-hmm. they they cut this stuff that made it look like right. Like, what? Why did they go to like they if they're going to make something that looks exactly like the last two giant? Why did they hire that, him? Why did they hire him? I don't understand it. Like, well, you're gonna, if you make the shitty movies, first of all, the, why the, do the, that? The, the, the idea mm-hmm. was that. It's supposed to it's supposed to ignore everything after the first two te- Terminators. Oh, absolutely. The idea right. is that it's the third Terminator, and everything after the first two Terminators that was done in the past is right. is negated. Right. That's and, the idea. And to throw in like like I've only the only sequence that I've seen is the sequence that I worked on, and it was awesome. Like it looked great. It looked it looked like T two. Yeah. Well, the thing is, right, that people have already made a decision about this movie having never seen it. Right. And if that's the way that people are going to talk about it, they're going to say things like, "Well, I don't understand why they would make another Terminator film." They're never. They're, they're just not going to see the film. Yeah. Because so you and, don't even give it a chance. You know, the reason why you don't give it a chance is because the ads they put out looked like Terminator blah blah with Christian Bale or Terminator blah 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 with whatever the guy right. was. Right. So 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 that's why. Like they they looked at him like I already saw that shit twice and I'm not going to pay another fifteen it did, bucks. It didn't do very well in the Asian markets too. Oh, it bombed. It's going to lose a hundred million dollars. It's a giant. It's a giant bomb. Huge bomb. And like you could have like from the marketing alone, I could have told them that. I'm just like, well, that, I guess that this? was my point earlier is that for somebody who made Deadpool mm-hmm. and with such a unique eye and a te- uh, like a, a pulse right. on what fans want, because right, he, he he had a beautiful wall at his yeah, studio like this, this of, is nothing, of like, comic books and stuff. I have he was really Tim. cool stuff, and it's like to not say, you know what. We're going to let you roll with this. Right. What is your input on this? It seems like somebody just took it over, but they did that in Star Wars. They, they did, do right. that. Yeah, you're right. They do it with all of them. And it's, right. it's kind of like – it's horrible. Right. Right. This is, this is the heartbreaker of that because like the way – like what you need – because I, I watched the first Terminator in particular a lot. Like that movie is a fucking masterpiece. The second one is also extremely good. I watched more Titanic a lot, but still. Titanic, I don't understand every, what you're saying every, about every like, watching a lot uh, But yeah, like uh, the, the first Terminator is a – and people have said it before. It's beautiful. It is a fucking be- – it's one of the best indie movies ever made. It's an incredible horror movie. Like it's a fucking it is. scary, it's, bizarre I saw that film. in the theater even I, though I'm the same age as I you I had guys. lunch with one of the producers who owned Terminator yesterday. Oh, it's fucking incredible. 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 Okay. 
So Good story. that's an independent film. Yeah. yeah. And it's, but and it's, you know what's cool it is looks, that truck exploding um, scene. It was the model. Oh, yeah. It's that great. so cool. It's so great. Even like though they were like, kind of like, oh, the scale is like, They get so much juice out of so little money in that in that movie, and it's so tight. The script is so good. Non-union, obviously. <laughs> but like they make that thing look like it's five or ten times more expensive than it is, and the script is as tight as a, as a drum. I think we romanticize it a little bit. I do not. I romanticize that zero percent. I watched it I, last I week. I romanticize <laughs> it in terms of the quality of the film. Hey, I but love talking film. about indie films, mm. though, we saw an indie film for tonight. Let me roll with this guy. Oh, yeah. Hi. Too. And yes. so we watched, uh, according to Chris, uh, Chris wanted us to watch a movie called The Chateau, the Chateau. which is this Chateau, and it is... It was and done for about the same budget as Terminator. The Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. But those <laughs> right. indie films with all those flaws still hold up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I just... What I see, what's scary is, is that I see great directors like the Lego guys or yep. Tim Miller. Right. And you know those machines are just crushing them or at least with the Legos happening. guys. And it's yeah. like, why? But the Lego guys did, you know, they, they, they produced the Spider-Verse yeah. stuff, right? They, they, they were perfectly happy. They went off and did, did something That's else. fine. But they still had to deal with that, you know, they put all their energy to do Han Solo. Right. And then they got crushed right. because yeah. – well, I think that a lot of great directors are just going to avoid the shit. That's what my they point sh- is. They should. Like, they after should. this, they should. they're just going to say, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Right. Screw it. It's a bad deal. So they're actually shitting where they sleep. Right. Because it, the studios. Because they're they're basically bringing people on and then yeah, it's, cuffing them to a chair. Right. Because I mean, we said this before. It's like it's like in the 50s when they started. They're just like, you know, fucking um, Pillow Talk's going to make a mint. <laughs> you know, like they, they're they're convinced that like, oh, it's just, we're just musicals on into the 70s. We're just going to keep up. What? Nobody? It's so funny you say that because you know what I watched over the weekend with my daughter was because i had the discs mm. is well i didn't watch with her I, spy who came in for the cold is great oh that's great Richard Burton. oh yeah, <laughs> great, yeah. oscar verner um but the thing yeah. is is that we did um american paris and we did um that's on singing in the rain yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. love singing in the and it's just to watch it with oh, your daughter great. i have the discs but i just it's great incredible incredible singing movie. in the rain is great oh it's such a good movie what, what's her name who plays the um uh the woman who can't talk who can't speak very well um i can't remember the actor's name the blonde she, woman yeah she reminds me when i last watched singing in the rain she reminds me in a ton of or i should say it in reverse the uh, the actress mackenzie davis who's in terminator mm. reminds me of her I would like I saw I was like that she looks like goddamn Mackenzie Davis that's insane yeah, that's huh. interesting yeah no but like I I I totally agree like that's like the studios can make great work like that they totally can but it's when they get complacent like they are now that they turn out stuff like solo and, and then they're shocked that it bombs by the way like on that too it's bad <clears throat> with Kelly who was basically he wasn't Fred Astaire it mm-hmm. wasn't about dance amongst the oh, wealthy yeah. and the privileged. Right, right. He no, was a working man dancer. He was a working man yeah, dancer with a dancing. working man's body yeah. in a sense. And it was muscle, it was tone, yeah. but he wasn't super tall. Vigorous, he, and charming. He, yeah, and he made this elegant – and they took a chance on defining a new genre. Right, right. And that's really exciting to see. And oh, it still awesome. holds and it, up. And it's, like, it's exciting to see every single time you see it. Because it's it's embedded in the movie. Like he's great, she's great. What's up? Like Carrie Fisher's mom is incredible. Oh, she's great. You know, like Edward Reynolds is amazing. Like everybody's great. And like the movie, the energy of the movie is just permanently embedded in that film, and you get excited every time you see it. And the same, I feel the same way about like like when you see things like uh like okay to turn it back around the chateau. Like what is exciting to me about the chateau is that. That is a movie that Paul Rudd would not make today. <laughs> like he just like he's he's caught up in the whirlwind of Netflix and everything else. Yeah, you know. But, but the, here's the I'm sorry, Chris. Just quickly, the thing about um, 
watching those films and I think I just forgot what I was going to say, mm -hmm. but you're going to say something good though. I can tell. I'm just going to give you a I little just, time, and then you can roll with it now. The thing is, a lot of these executives who are making these decisions probably are just so stressed out about streaming mm -hmm. and and all this yeah, new no, competition that they're just gripping the steering wheel so hard. But yeah. in a way, right. they're kind of fucking themselves. Yeah, it's oh, almost yeah, absolutely. like you bring a guy in. Don't hire Robert Altman unless you want a Robert Altman film. And that yeah. means Forcing he's to make a shitty movie. Yeah. He's, you know, Popeye. <laughs> exactly. Right? Which is one of the best shitty movies I've ever oh, seen. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's Robert insane. Altman did Popeye? Popeye. Yeah. That's why Popeye is weird. Like, it's a weird, yeah. weird film. I remember when I was working as an art director in Malta at Mediterranean Studios. And uh, this guy would always be like, I take you to Popeye Village. I'm like, you know what? I don't have time for Popeye Village, but thanks, because it was still existing. It's still, I guess still there. It's, no one cleaned it up. Is it still there? <laughs> I don't know. The Maybe original set for yeah. Popeye was like, I, Popeye I think, Village, I yeah, think exactly. you. I think the first idea is still living there. I think that's still happening. Man, like that, that movie, Like even when I was a kid, I was like, something tastes weird. <laughs> like This is a strange-ass movie. All right. I got because... to give you guys a story behind the Chateau. Okay, go first for it. First of all, uh, I think it's hilarious that we're talking about you know huge franchise stuff when this movie – is, is the, the opposite of that. Is the 100% complete opposite of this movie. Right. So I saw this movie in theaters. Right, right, right. Okay, in 2001 with Karen. Right. When, you know, we're new to L.A. and we went I to remember Westwood. Yeah. And, I it's remember. Like a, it's like a Dogma 95 movie. It's, right? It played in seven theaters yeah, right. worldwide. Right. <laughs> made $200,000 total. Right, right. And it's shot – I had to re-up re with Hulu just to watch this. You can't even rent it anywhere. You can't eat, yeah. yeah. You can't rent it anywhere, right. nothing. And it's uh, shot on, on in DV camera. It was shot yep. in DV camera. With existing lighting. Yep. Yes. Grainy as fuck. Yep. Yep. Out of focus, just. Why didn't they just use Denoiser and Nuke 10? Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. Come on. Uh, and it has it stars right, Paul Rudd right. and what's the other guy's name? I don't have it in front of me, but you've recognized him from other stuff. Right. Yeah. So he's the black guy. I would say he's the black guy from 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yes. And yeah, that, this was his first feature. Yeah. This he was, was great. His yeah, first feature. Funny. Really funny. He has, a, he has a strange first name. I will look it up. Uh, but uh, Abracadabra? Jesse Peretz was the director yeah, on it. Director. Of the Lemonheads. And yep, of the Lemonheads. Of the Le and he's very good. He actually is a very well known as a director of um, – uh, TV oh. stuff. So he yeah, directed uh, uh, New Girl. He yep. directed uh, Nurse Jackie. He yep. directed uh, Girls as well. Yeah, a bunch of really wow. uh, big, big, big TV stuff. Yeah. Forgive me if I mispronounce this. Ro uh, Romani Malco or Romani Malco is, uh, is right. the other character, and uh, he is terrifically funny and very uh, like he's an awesome foil. Uh, with uh, Paul Rudd, back and forth, Paul Rudd, like they're made to work together. These right, guys. really, really great. So Karen and I still quote this movie to ours as as a joke to what we do mm -hmm. constantly. Uh, even our kids quote it; they have never seen the movie, but because <laughs> it's embedded in your, it's embedded. Yeah. So whenever we have potatoes for dinner, they always say "Je t'aime patate." <laughs> Je t'aime patate. <laughs> right. Funny. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the movie. Uh, so anyway, the, 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 the drink that I brought for this was specifically a, a French, uh, uh, rosé from right. the South of France, cause it's technically supposed to be in the South of France called, uh, M la vie. <laughs> M la vie. So I thought it was about as close as I could do to getting something that uh, would a nice label. go from there. Good uh, font. Yeah. Good font. Uh, got it at Trader Joe's, you know, does uh, it have any French on the label? 
no. It no. says product. Produit. Pro, yeah, it says product de France. <laughs> produit de France, yes. Produit de France. Product of France, produit de France. Uh, and récolte uh, 2018. Mm. So, yes. Uh, and it's uh, 60% Shiraz, 40% uh, Ganache. Uh, so, anyway, let's try it. Let's try it. Love let's it. try it. So, as you're pouring, I'm going to say quickly that the uh, uh, the film that we were talking bloop, about tonight, bloop, which bloop, is bloop, uh, bloop, you can find on Hulu, bloop, 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 bloop. Um, uh, is about uh, two brothers, uh, and they find out that they are two American brothers. Two American brothers. Um, so, and so, I actually want to say before for that, I there's a lot of people that have requested French films. Cheers. And I thought this would be a funny French film. Mm. As a, it, a bunch of it is in French. As it is a clash yeah. of it's French and American. Clash it's, it's, clo- it's a big culture clash movie. Yeah. I also think it's a film genre clash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a clash of American comedy and French drama. And, and yeah, it's, it like, especially, <laughs> specifically, it's American sitcom comedy yes. and Dogma 95 filmmaking. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a bizarre movie to have been made. Like it's like it's, but you know when, you, when the movie probably costs like fifteen grand to make. Oh yeah, total. dude. Well, the thing is, me if you when you watch this at home, uh, fans of movies like uh, uh, Festin uh, will be like, "This looks like Fest," or uh, the, what the ceremony? I guess it's called. Uh, like it looks like that. Only it's not incredibly depressing and it has Paul Rudd. <laughs> like that's, right. it looks it looks like a Lars von Trier movie uh, <laughs> with uh, a a very silly light sitcom-y plot right and it's played very straight so it occasionally dips down into very serious notes yeah which are really unexpected so it's a it's a really weird it's a weird experience of a film but it's right. definitely the kind of movie that you can make if no one's fucking with you at all like if no it's one, a like, really good like paul rudd can play very different kinds of characters right but he's always a little bit Paul Rudd in, in some ways. Yeah, this is the period when he's crossing over into doing more Paul Rudd comedy. He was a, he originally started out as like a, uh, a serious actor. Like after right. Clueless, he tries to be uh, serious, and he makes a movie for the uh, what the guy who did uh, uh, the the Company of Men. I can't remember the movie, but he, he also did, did but, yeah. Hot White American Summer before. This yeah, and as so well. like that starts paying off for him more. Right, and so this is definitely him doing his comic chops. I would say that. Uh, that um, uh, his brother in the movie is do, does a better job than Paul Rudd does. In he does. Movie. I think that Paul Rudd is, is trying out, and it's only because I know how good Paul Rudd gets at this right. stuff, that Paul, this is Paul Rudd experimenting with this new kind of material. Sure. You know, and it's a li- and like most of it lands and it's very fresh. Like it definitely feels like nobody else in the, in the scene knows what to do with how he's acting. And it's very right. original. Um, but, uh, in terms of like the most balanced performance, uh, goes to, uh, the guy who's playing his brother. Right. And, uh, and I was, it's and like, he, like he is leading a sort of a different movie than Paul Rudd is in. And Paul Rudd is almost the, the monster in the movie. Like he's kind of the monster. And, yeah, well, they're both, kind of monsters yeah they're i mean they're not they everyone actually everyone everyone's has, got their thing everyone's got their thing both good and bad yeah the one who breaks the worst is paul rudd yes like he, he recovers he, in the end and it's a happy ending but yes. it's like it is paul rudd man when he blows out in that movie you're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> this is bad yeah this is shame this Raw is shame. this is like just most, immature yeah yeah exactly. he's very immature exactly he's and, very immature 
But he's but he's very very likable, and it's, but the, so these two brothers uh, learn that they are the so uh, they're on a train at the front, right. beginning, and basically, for, well, it actually starts off with someone is dead, like they're mm-hmm. burying someone, right? Uh, in France, in French, yes, at very the, French, at, at, a, at a chateau, at a chateau, right? And then the next scene is in a train, and you find out that it's these the, two guys, there's a white guy and a black guy, white guy and a black guy, Paul Rudd and and uh, Romany, yep, uh, uh, and they're on the train and he says you know what i'm gonna do when i get to france love the ladies love the ladies yeah, yeah. and he's just just goofy and he's like Ugh, awkward yeah and then, meanwhile uh, romany is like he is he's on the phone business guy like he's getting shit done <laughs> he's right. like completely he's he's much closer to being a grown-up person than paul rudd is however paul rudd is like a little, while a little he's boring. while he's being like mr business guy mm-hmm. he is Talking about erectile dysfunction most of the time. Yeah, because that's what his company his services. Com- his company sells dick products, yes. as he says. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and like I so said, he's having, trying to have these serious conversations about how many erections you should get during the night as part of your natural cycle uh, on the train while Paul Rudd is like, you know, like stuffing his feet in his face. Because <laughs> so he's an immature. He's an immature idiot. idiot. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so these guys, they're uh, like, uh, it is. Um, uh, 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 these two guys uh, are in France to receive the chateau that they have gotten a letter. Gotten, they've gotten a letter that they've inherited a chateau. They've inherited a chateau, <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, uh, and uh, when they get to the chateau, nobody. Oh, in the and chateau, Paul Rudd insists that he speaks French, and he clearly and he does not speak. Does French. not speak French. Almost not at all. Almost not at like, all. He, yeah, he knows and, as much he, French as anyone might know, and he tries to. Say it confidently. It's yeah. very embarrassing. And um, I love the the fact that he gets the the, and there's a lot of lost in translation stuff. That's most of the humor in here. Right. But they arrive there and they're waiting for this woman supposedly to pick him up, and uh, he says, "I called her and I said, you know, she was supposed to come, and she said, you know, she said, the uh, key, the key, and I was like, there she was going to bring the key, and what the key, the key means is like, who is it? Yeah, Siki. Siki. Who, who is this? And so she just like hung up the phone and had no idea who he was and just hung up. Right, right. And he expected her that she, to, she was going to bring the key. Right. But- right. <laughs> and so by the time they're in a bad shape, they're in bad shape uh, even by the time they get to the chateau. Uh, but nobody at the chateau, the entire staff at the chateau, chateau has no idea who they are. Right. They no, think they're Jehovah's right. Witnesses. Exactly. And then, then, then they're, and they're just like, uh, well, you can come in, but uh, this doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they produce the paper that says that they have inherited this place mm-hmm. and they have no choice but to accept them and right. uh, show them around the place. And then the, the characters that make up and the staff of the chateau. The staff of the chateau, right? right? So you have Pierre, mm-hmm. who is uh, the groundskeeper, mm-hmm. uh, who is the meanest motherfucking French asshole Yeah, around. he's a grumpy fucking bastard all the time. Yeah, Sabine, right. yeah. who I love uh, Romani's character – Rex. 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 Calls her Saboon. (laughs) Saboon. (laughs) Saboon. That's really funny. There's – what's the name of the young girl? Uh, Isabelle? Isabelle? Isabelle, yeah. And then Jean, right? Right. And Jean speaks English. Mm -hmm. He's the more sophisticated of them. Right. And he uh, says he's the butler. Right, and right. They, they all loved the former master of the house, right? Who uh, who passed away? Who is Paul Rudd's direct physical uncle? Right, uh, who he calls great uncle. He calls my who is a count. Who is a count? But he says he's a 
Kant. Kant. <laughs> because he's trying to pronounce yes. it in French. Kant. 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 And because I, he was I'm a Kant. big fans of the Kant. It's <laughs> <laughs> the kind of humor that happens throughout the film. Right. Um, but uh, 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 they, uh, like, they, you know, so what happens out of that is because uh, uh, Rex is adopted uh, and he has a slightly different relationship to the family than Paul Rudd does. Right. But the because the French people are... Uh, uh, not afraid of making you know racist remarks or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, what do you mean you're brothers? How can is this right. possible? Right, right. You're clearly black and he's white. And so what are you talking? What about? are you talking right. about? You're right. not brothers. Right. And then Paul Wright is like, adopted. yeah. And then but this <laughs> is really curious. And what's what's awesome <laughs> is that what like what it's really getting at has nothing to do with Rex being black. It has to do with the fact that Rex is adopted, which Paul Rudd clearly like. It holds over him in some way. Like, he's just like, there's some tension about that. Fact. Sure. Because Rex goes, fuck you, man. Fuck you, man. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so the, like, the most, the most of the middle of the movie is sort of like the comedative errors of like, they are not ready to, um, take on any of this. And the, the, the situation becomes a little more dire once they find out the that French, the place the is. The French a, people are extremely French. Yes. Extremely yeah. French. Mm-hmm. Provincial. Provincial in some ways, but also they seem like it was northern. Yeah, it does. It doesn't seem like south of France, but it like, could be like it could be you know, Utre- no, well, it could be um, around no, Lyon, could Lyon. be somewhere around like there. It just seemed doesn't. There's no way that well, the it's tree not down, lines, it's not down like in. in no, it's in, not because the Provence. trees, right. the trees, and so yeah. forth. Even at the winter time, yeah, I've been up to like uh, Normandy area over right. the years. It could have been around Lyon, there, yeah, but it's definitely like that's not the south. It's, well, it's not down by the coast not by yeah the no but that's what they he was saying on the train they're going saying. to the south of france and it's not no so yeah. and that also could be another mistake by paul rudd who has no idea about france <laughs> this is true it could be <laughs> yeah he gets character. in his shorts yeah he gets oh, in his God. shorts and his flip-flops yeah he's freezing to death and he's freezing to death because <laughs> right. it's cold as hell right so that that's that's I mean, yes, the French people are extremely obnoxious, and the Americans are oblivious idiot, and obnoxious, obnoxious yeah. Americans, yeah. right? Like they, they're they're really oafish and terrible. Like the, right. two, the two of them are like it's it's embarrassing all the time in every scene, and, every every and, scene. Yes, and and Rex is trying to like play the smooth guy. He's like, yeah, he's I don't want to apologize to your peeps, and he's like, I don't think they're going to get peeps. Right. Like yeah, yeah, like this. Like he's a, Rex is a much more sort of. Uh, likable on top of things kind of character but there's such a distance between his worldview and everybody else's right. worldview that there's just no way to line any of this up and Paul like uh, Paul Rudd uh, pretends like he's in the know and he's not in the know in the not even in the slightest you know? right and so everything every scene is awkward and you know, like it, it's a kind of like shame-based comedy that can rub people the wrong way right but if you if you ride with it it's really really funny and pretty risky yes you know, like I was I was definitely pleased with how it was sort of like they let it go like you're like at one point I'm like is this a movie where Paul Rudd becomes a serial killer <laughs> Like it's was, close, right? <laughs> right? Because I mean, basically, he he's trying to like look at himself as a worldly person, which he clearly is not, yeah, 0%, right? right? And trying to be respectful of other cultures and understanding things, yeah. and he clearly has no the 
fucking idea. And he's not doing it to be respectful of the culture. He's doing it to show off how worldly he is. Yes, yes. Which is is what makes it grindingly embarrassing all the time. Yes. And so he's just like, you know, he's trying to find ways to say things in French. And he's just like, and like, you could just fucking speak English. The guy speaks English. Right. He's He's talking to to, to, uh, Isabelle and he's like, what's the French word for coincidence? And he goes, coincidence. Coincidence. Yes, it's like a coincidence. It's a coincidence. (laughs) It's a coincidence. (laughs) And that's another quote that Karen. And I was also, I was like, it's a coincidence. It's a coincidence. <laughs> like, it's yeah, like lots of that business. And uh, <laughs> and plot wise, the um, the the chateau is uh, it's it's a it's a pretty so, place. But it's like it's it's in, a huge it's a it's twenty huge. bedroom chateau. Right. It's really nice. Massively and run down. And it's really it's really old and really needs a lot of fixing up. And right. like the place is deeply, deeply, deeply in debt. Uh, and. As soon as they Jean, realize- Jean says, "Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You're here to save the chateau, right? Because we have so much debt to pay, right? right? And that uh, sets off the alarm bells. Sets right. off the alarm bells. So Rex says, we're fucking selling. Yeah, this we shit. are selling this immediately. There's we're no selling this immediately. Yeah. We're getting rid of this thing, right? But we'll and keep that- you guys as staff. Uh, no, right. Rex that, does that, not want that. <laughs> Rex just wants to get Rex rid of it. Rex doesn't want that. But no, but, uh, but Paul Rudd. Rudd. Paul yeah, Rudd right. says like uh, Graham." Graham Granville. Yeah, Graham Granville has he like Paul Rudd believes that he has made a deep connection with these guys, and he feels for the staff. Yes, especially says, we will not sell the place that won't take you as yeah as part of the as deal. part of the deal, right? And you're like, what and Rex the is fuck? like, that's bullshit. We're selling this immediately. We right. can't sink all of my money because you don't have any money, Paul Rudd. Right? You know, I have my uh, my dick pill business, and I'm making a lot of money with that. I'm not about to sink it all into this place. Right? You know, it's not going to be dragged down to you. Now, the back. other thing that was funny that I loved is when they go see the the real estate agent to mm-hmm. try to sell the place. Right. Who clearly speaks English? Yeah. But she's lecturing them in French. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about That's right. why they can't sell this place in one week. Right. Like how bullshit this is and I can't right. sell it in one week and right. it's out of season and no one's going to do it. And she's saying this all in French when she speaks, when she speaks English. English yeah. like That's how says. obnoxious some of the French people are. <laughs> you know what I mean? It right, is right. clearly like the there's a, there's a, there's a French well, like she thinks like they cultural are. snobbism that's yeah. going on in this, which is which is also very funny. And uh, and what's what's really great is they deserve it. <laughs> like they they kind of deserve it, but she's obnoxious because Rex, business guy, goes right. is like, well, what's your normal commission on this? I'll give and you she, yeah, I'll, I'll give you twice she, that. She, she says, you know, four percent. So I'll give you eight. And he goes, yeah. twelve. I need twelve. Right. I was like, eh, we'll settle on ten. We right. settle on ten, which is a huge commission. Yeah, it's giant. It's giant. He wants to offload this thing. It's a, right. it's, a, it's a pain in the ass. And so she's trying to sell it. She, so she brings in people to like, try to show it off. Everyone is their worst self. The French are their worst Horrible. selves. The Americans are their worst selves. Like everyone is their worst self in this right. way. And that's basically what the movie's tone is. And so the place is clearly falling apart. They need to offload this thing as quickly as possible. There's the threat of the, all of these, you know, the servants are all going to be out on their asses. And Paul Rudd. And Rex are both making a play for Isabel, who is the, who's the young woman, right? And who has a, who has a kid? Who has a kid? Right. And Paul Rudd and believes- she she's a very typical uh, yes. French actress scenario. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. way her, you know, you you can see her. You, you know, she's a she's she's attractive. She clearly has a sordid past and shyness, right. and you want to dig deeper. Paul Rudd is like completely like enamored by her, wants to save her. Right, Rex. 
just wants to fuck her. Yeah, but 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 in Rex, <laughs> I, like I was watching this. I'm like, Rex is more honest here. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Rex is like, I'm attracted to that woman, and I want to have sex with her, and that's basically. And he didn't act like a child. Yeah, he wasn't acting like a baby about but it. But also, just like, yeah, I'm really, I'm, just, I really just, like that gal. But also, he's being a little bit of an ass because I just rewatched it again. Now, so I'll pick up a couple of things. So they arri- when they first arrive, right? Mm-hmm. She's the maid, right? And so she's you know helping out. She's serving them food, being very nice, right? She shows them to their rooms. She's yes. carrying his bags up, uh-huh. and he goes, "Yeah, just put it on the bed." Like yeah, he yeah, could yeah. have t- picked it up and put oh, it on the bed himself. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he's no, right. but the, that's you're talking about Rex. Yeah. yeah, yes, because Rex, I felt his reaction to he looked at her and looked at the size of the room as compared to Paul Rudd's, mm-hmm. and my feeling was he's like, "You gave me the shitty room because I'm black." Right. Right. Right, that's the that's the that's the, that's the story that's happening in his and mind. So that's right? why he's like, just put it on the yeah. bed. He was like, I can't do anything about it now. Yeah. Right. right, right. But then he, when, he feels that there's an offense going on there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And then when she she leaves, she turns around and she's clearly eyeing him. Yeah, right. Sexually, yeah, she's attracted to him, and he's a very attractive man. He's a very attractive, very man. very attractive man, and physically like fit. Yeah, like he and he's yeah, and like and there's there's an opportunity for her to see him like. Basically in his underwear, mm-hmm. and it's obvious. I mean, he's a he's a very attractive man. So right. let's leave it at that. But the the uh, the whole Muy thing, guapo. yeah, my, yes, very very much so. <laughs> and uh, and uh, but yeah, I do I do agree. Like he is he is, there was a nice subtlety with how um, uh, the actor uh, handled the character of Rex because like he's got he's uh, he's trying to sort of be the adult in the scene, right? When he's not a fully grown adult in his mind either. No. He's just got a little bit more shit together than everybody else, right? And he still has anxieties that push him to try to be more professional. He says, like, I'm a professional. I know you understand professionals, you know, because he feels like people don't perceive him this way, and, and especially in France, because he's black. He's black. Right? And uh, and so when he... when if he gets the kind of sh- tinier, shittier room, it may or may not be, there may be no motivation at all behind giving him that room. Just like, that's how it fell out. There's two rooms and whatever. But the fact that he, you can see the sort of like the insult on his face. He was yeah. like, yeah, fuck man. It's just like, I'm always up against it with fucking idiots like this. Right. And that tension is always in the it's background there. of his performance. And it's really, really nice. Like he kept that dude. I mean, like, I it's he's the, I was watching him like I I know I've seen him in lots of things but I was like I'm it's I'm sad that I haven't seen more of him because he yeah. clearly is like he's got yeah, he when, was so when good they, really, with really the, when good they brought the chicken in and and like to scare off the potential yeah, right. customers and he comes back in yeah yeah yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. fuckers that was he was the best part of the film oh he's he really owns it he really really he and, and really I, I love Paul Rudd I think he did a great job in this movie but I, I, really, I kind of really felt like, like he was the best yeah. The chicken and then Paul Rudd. Those and the three, chicken killed. Yeah. Him. Oh my god! Floored the way it, it screamed, it. That, it looked scared. Right? It looked it scared. It was scared. It's hard to make a chicken look scared. That moment, unless you move at all. It's uh, <laughs> <So> playing chicken. <laughs> That's right. And then Paul Rudd. And then Paul Rudd. But no, like and Paul Rudd. I I like what I loved about Paul Rudd in this movie was he is a fucking narcissistic asshole and does not realize it at all. Chris, who? Yeah, no. What were we talking about? A movie? 
Oh, oh I shit. I can't kids. barely Sorry. remember. But yeah, the, uh, but like, he's talking on the phone with his therapist and he's. That was the best stuff. The ne- <laughs> oh, yeah. And it happens multiple times <laughs> in the movie where he's basically like. absent. He's not listening to anybody or anything. He's having this he own leaves, little world. He leaves. Okay. Well, yes. There's a couple of scenes with, uh, with, uh, with uh, Rex that I think were amazing. Mm-hmm. One of the ones I loved was when he's, he's in the chateau room, right? And. He is uh, doing curls. He's working out. Yeah. Right? And he's just like right. a tough guy. He, so, so black guy, mm-hmm. right, wearing, you know, big uh, uh, basketball shorts, baggy right. basketball shorts, mm-hmm. and then doing curls. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a scene you might see from an American film in L.A. Right, sure. With gangsters, that right. kind of stuff, right? right? Mid, ha- tough guy. Mid-90s. Tough, uh, and tough the hip-hop movie, is right? going. Right, and, hip- yeah. and he's playing hip-hop. It's right. a, it is the most... L.A. gangster thing yeah, stereotypically to do L.A. character in, in a like, chateau, in, yeah. right. in a right. chateau in France. Right. She, uh, she walks in mm-hmm. because she's uh, give him something or whatever it is. She's like overwhelmed by this scene. Right. Right. She's terrified. Turned on. Yeah. Doesn't and he does he all of that is on purpose. All of like, that is that's on by pur- design. That's like, by design. Everything he does, he's is doing by this. Design. Like I know, I know how to how to. Yeah, he's leveraging her everything excited. that she might think about it about him, and all in the, essentially the imagery that he constructs in that scene. Right, is so that he can control the scene. Right, and he does, and like, and he knows that she's going to see him, and it plays out the, exactly the way that, that he wants it to. And it was. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really great little, and like, it's, there's so many subtle things going on there, and so many like subtle character choices that both like reveal, you know, his both his motivation and control of the scene, and his uh, 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 sort of self conscious awareness of his position in this country and in this situation. Right. You know, and so he's using this like this forcefully to try to establish control of the scene uh, when he it sort of reveals that he is also so very self-conscious and it's a real it's a it's a very fine uh, line to thread as an actor and he really fucking kills it it's really really great the other one that I think is amazing uh, really showing a very honest look and very subtle acting which was incredible considering how boisterous they are the whole time mm-hmm. and it's a little bit of a spoiler because it's towards the end of the movie is when basically they uh uh he's having an honest conversation with with paul rudd in the kitchen mm-hmm. right and paul rudd is like what what why why the fuck are we here right mm-hmm. and they start he starts complaining about his own life because paul rudd's narcissistic about everything right. and he goes and he, and he said and uh 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 rex looks at him and goes and says it's probably some of the best therapy that you've had. ever had yeah, right. is just here and he goes yeah I think I need a new therapist and he he does these fabulous little expressions of like agreeing with him or showing yeah, it right. and he yeah. does these really good he goes yeah you know he's that's a little expression just like a little tiny yeah, bit yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah and then he goes he's like maybe I shouldn't even go to therapy anymore so it's Paul Rudd and then he has this like New therapist. New therapist. New therapist. Let's not give that up. Let's not give that up. It's still a good idea. <laughs> and so, but he does that expression so right. honestly, like well, that. That that does not look like acting. It right. looked like, genuine. He does the most to sell me on the fact that they've grown up together. 
Like I think that that like, yes, like, I think that, that scene was good. Yeah, yeah. But you also get that in the beginning on the train. Yeah, absolutely. Like get your feet out of my face. I'd like yeah, little brothers. Like, what you, what's the matter rival? with you? Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. sneeze in your hand? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just you still get with your snot hands. Yeah, <laughs> your, yeah, your crusty, crusty snot hands. Yeah, but like it's uh, like he's yeah he he really he pulls that relationship together um, more so than Rudd does. Rudd Rudd's got an act that he's trying to pull off, but that also helps. That's it. He's trying to pull the. He's, act he's off. trying to yeah exactly. He's got he's got an act that he's, that he's basically testing out for this movie, and it works. And the fact that he's not really participating in the movie also helps the movie work because he is supposed to be a narcissistic douchebag who isn't really paying attention to anybody else. So it doesn't break the movie. But it's he's, just an, a, he's a different kind of narcissist. He's not yeah. a narcissist in the sense of, he's not I'm arrogant. great. No, yeah. he's not arrogant. No. He doesn't, he, he, he realizes he has a lot of flaws, but right. he is completely egocentric. He's totally egocentric. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, he cannot n- not think about things from his own point of view and imagine right. that everyone is thinking about it constantly. Yeah, he doesn't think he's Good awesome. Or bad. Right. Because narcissism assumes that you think you're awesome. Right. And he yeah. does not think he's awesome. But yeah, he is like, he, he is, he can't imagine, Imagine anybody thinking about anything other than him, even if it's bad. Right. Like that's the only thing that's going on in people's heads. He's just completely self-conscious all right. the time. And he's trying to overcome it constantly and embarrassing himself more. And the thing is that like I only would – uh, my, my critique of Paul Rudd in the movie only comes from the fact that I've seen later – greater Paul Rudd when he's got his act down and he really sure. like, and like, I know what, how good he gets at this routine. And so, and this is, this is sort of like the proto version of that routine and it's very good. Uh, but it's more of like a Paul Rudd history lesson rather than a classic performance by itself. Right. Like the, uh, like Rex is really doing the heavy lifting in the movie. And then Paul Rudd is a good show. You know, and he's very, he's very, very yeah. funny and very, very awkward. But the reason I believe the story is because of Rex. Yes. Yeah. Like that's, that's the, that's the selling point. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, so the, uh, the Rex, the, like Rex is no angel in this situation. Oh, absolutely. He yeah. is, his, his thing is like, if I'm here, I'm going to try to have sex with Isabel. Yeah. Yeah, that, is, that, is, that is that yeah. is that is his goal in yeah. a movie after a while. Right. You know, sell sell the castle, but while I'm here, I'm gonna have sex with the right. Which is a perfectly reasonable thing to want to do. Right. You know, because she's attractive and she's attracted to him and yeah. But he's out. also the guy who's like, yeah, well, that's what I do is I have sex with people. Yeah. Like, like, he's, <laughs> like he's, this is what I mean. It's just like I'm not saying he's good or bad, but he is. On, he's at least a little more honest. Right. And Paul Rudd is completely dishonest with himself and everybody. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. He doesn't even know how dishonest. And I think it was being. like the tension between him, between Rex and is like it's really funny because Paul Rudd thinks he has a relationship with Isabel because yeah, she's it's a very fucking su- total fantasy because she is very sweet right, because right. she has to be because she's the servant. Right. 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 But he he just because he opens his mouth and she doesn't say a word. Right. Right. And he believes like, oh, I have this gr-, and he, you know, has this conversation with her where she doesn't say anything. Right. Right. And then he gets on the phone with his he's therapist. Like, oh my god, we like, totally had totally connected. He's so yeah. out of touch. Yeah. yeah. He's like <laughs> no <laughs> concept of reality. He's like, she didn't say anything. All she did was like, you know, talk about peeling potatoes right. for the pot of food. You and know? That's literally it. And he's having this entire fucking Fascination, right? So funny. You know, it's, like that's the like. If there's any like, when I hear like when I hear uh, the phrase toxic masculinity, I think of Paul Rudd in this movie. Like that is <laughs> that is that is the like yeah. There's like yeah sure. There's like fucking you know loud mouth arrogant you know douchebag guys. But yep. the more insidious villain is this kind of personality. The like, other one, this guy's a 
fucking jerk. The other one I I thought was interesting is because clearly you you noticed throughout the whole time is that Isabel, who, again, like I said, is very innocent. Uh Uh-huh. Right. That that actually goes sort of sort of <laughs> yeah like not we really. learn we learn about that which is a great really. thing right. actually she does have a really good conversation with Paul Rudd mm-hmm. uh, which was sweet and amazing mm-hmm. uh, was uh, when the only time she really speaks and talks about something passionately mm-hmm. is when she talks about Barcelona yeah exactly the right? Bar- Barcelona talk Barcelona yeah. and so that was a it was a great story right. and. Paul Rudd did a really good job of engaging in that, which yes. I don't think he realized that that was working. It's, it's the one thing that gives you, at least it gives me hope in the movie, that is that one, the, the Barcelona through yeah. line. Right. Uh, because like Paul Rudd says, you know, tells uh, the story right. of why. Okay. They, so, so they, she, they she, she, he's, he's in her room or something like that. And she has a picture of the, uh, the, uh, uh, some architecture by Gaudi. Right. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Oh, you like Gaudi. And suddenly she's like, Oh, yes. And I love – it's like, have you ever been to Barcelona? Right. And he goes – and she says, no. And then uh, – but she just goes on and on and on about Barcelona and how she's always wanted to go for – and it's the first time her eyes really open up and she speaks yeah, like – I really love this. Passionately about yeah. Barcelona right. even though she's never been. And then he said, oh, you know, they, they call it Barcelona. And he gives this very sweet story about why they – Call, call it, it Barcelona. Barcelona as opposed to Barcelona, right? right? Which, by the way, uh, I this is a pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. When Americans pronounce it Barcelona, Barcelona, it's obnoxious, <laughs> right? And here's why I say that: uh-huh. they call it Barcelona because that's how they pronounce it in Barcelona. But when you go to Paris, do you say I'm going to Paris? Yeah, no, you no, don't. You say, you say I'm going to Paris because yeah. that's exactly. how it's pronounced in English. That's the, the exactly. in English you don't say Barcelona. You yeah. say Barcelona. Barcelona. That's the English version of that. That's the English that. version of that's, that town, that's right? It. Yep. Right. No, I've always, I always like you don't like, and you don't so when people you don't go say out of their I'm going yeah. I'm not going it's like you know where I'm I'm going to go to Elas right now. It's like where's that? It's Greece, but that's how you pronounce it in Greek. That's how you, exactly. <laughs> you're not going to Elas, like, you're going to Greece. You're going to Greece. Exactly. So 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 when people Americans pronounce say Barcelona, yeah. to me that's obnoxious. Yeah. But Paul Rudd gives a really beautiful story about why it's Right. Why, 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 why the, uh, and that whole conversation suddenly was like, oh, these are two good people. Right. There is a, there's a good person inside Paul Rudd somewhere. Yes. She, there's passion in her, right? Yes. And uh, when – spoiler alert – at the end of the movie when she decides to uh, get on the train and you hear the train conductor say, you know, it's X many stops to Barcelona. And but that's because he's speaking in Spanish. But but in it's Catalan, most yeah. But the, it's like that's that's a reference to like it's that's, a that's it's a, a textual callback to right. the rest of the movie, and it right. gives you hope of that kind of connection again. Right. And it's a, like that was a, that's a very nice little structural thing to have done because otherwise it's a movie about assholes, <laughs> like right. a really entertaining movie about assholes. But that was the way I'm glad they landed the way they did because right. it, it makes me think maybe they won't be like this forever. Right. You know? Well, they're just. They act like children. Yeah, they're they just like basically brothers. Kids. Exactly. It's exactly. like brothers, right. the, the uh, stepbrothers. Yo, stepbrother, fucking hilarious movie. Hilarious movie. Oh my god. It's the same yeah. chemistry yeah. where it's there's a competition yeah. and this love hate relationship. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that scene right. in Stepbrothers when they're in the treehouse and he's looking at all the different porn and goes, "You've got so many different porns." Like, yeah, from the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties. I got it all up here. It's like jerking off in a time machine. <laughs> That's so good, that movie. That is an underrated the best, the best movie. The best, the funniest part is where they have the, uh, they make the bunk bed. Can we, can we make the bunk? You know, oh, so they make a bunk good. bed out of the two beds. Yeah. Like, can we, can we? Like, you hear the saws and everything. That, that is, 
that is that is that is that's the only other anchorman level funny that Will Ferrell ever pulled off. Like that is just pitch perfect, pitch perfect. So funny. And by and the way, I saw again. Uh, speaking of Will Ferrell, uh, God, I watched a lot of movies in the past couple of days, but it's good. I good for you. I watched um, Boogie Nights again. Oh God! Oh, I love Boogie Nights. Love the movie. Love it. Man, is that just it? It's been a couple of years, and I just put it on and was working in the studio, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is everything. Everything. It's Angel, so beautiful. Angels live in my town." <laughs> Where do you work out? And he stops. He starts the blender. He's like, "What?" Is he say? How much do you lift? <laughs> People say I look like Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. People say. Let I me show you like how to do a dive. Oh, and he's just like all serious. John C. Riley is so damn good. Oh, man. he's classic in that movie, dude. He's classic. It's dude. just. But the thing is, watching that, and you you kind of realize, and my wife reminds me um, that. You know, Mark Wahlberg was back, not back, boys, uh, Mark, kid, Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, how great. He's, he is he, a fucking fuck titan great. in that movie. You're but like, he's such a great actor. Oh, God. He's he, like, that is one of his, that's, there's a, he's done, I would say he's done like five truly great performances, but I don't think I've ever loved him more than I did in Boogie Nights. Like I was in Boogie love Nights, with Boogie Nights, he's so damn good. Like he's so likable and he's just. Yeah, he's just 100%. Burt Reynolds. Oh, God bless him. God bless him. Man, a oh, man. So, so good. Just he, didn't, like, he didn't, Reynolds hated doing that movie, hated Paul Thomas Anderson. Why? Uh, didn't get along. He just hated the whole the whole process. I think because uh, the thing is with, with, uh, with Burt Reynolds, he physically and the tone he had like when he's at the club and he looks at him across the room mm -hmm. it's so believable um that i feel like he maybe he probably felt like i really do look like a pornographer <laughs> do you know right, what i mean yeah. he fit that and, so and, well and he was just, probably, you think he was resentful of the fact that he looked like that and he didn't want to be that kind of person well he probably took it as i took it as a role right. but then when he saw himself like it's not just Oh, he acted it, and he had a costume. Right. His eyes, There's like, like a Paul common, Newman eyes, right. and the verdict. Yeah. Where when he's looking and that glean across the room, and the way he looks right. while he's talking, it was so believable because the eyes were so perfect. Oh, Reynolds is a great and actor. He is, but yeah. he probably was angry at himself. He took it. But he's like, wow, I really do look like this loser yeah. who's like, directing the, losers. Like the yeah, because the, I think that he probably sensed. I think you're right. I think he's probably sensed the critique in the, this fucking the director made me look believable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Where I just took it as a job, right. and this first time guy, you know, Paul M Marky Mark, or yeah, whatever, Marky so, Mark's here. You know, yeah, these exactly. other actors, and it's just like holy shit. But it's but it, like that movie has like it you know um, it's got what uh, Don Cheadle uh, uh, fucking killing it it's yeah. got uh, what's the name of Chocolate Love oh my god dude like Don Cheadle in the donut shop scene is one of so the scariest great. best moments in film he's just incredible and the uh, and uh, Paul uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, oh my god. who's like my favorite so character good. in the he's entire movie so good in that with the ballpoint pen oh, just and he's just chewing, chewing on it, on it. oh like, my god so uh, you, you want to see my Car? <laughs> oh, this, that scene! I say this all. Anytime I feel deep, deep shame, I, I always think of him in that scene. Just, I'm so fucking stupid. I'm so fucking. Stupid. That was such a beautiful. Oh, it's fucking incredible, dude. That movie is just great. That was the first time for me, Philip Seymour Hoffman, where I was like, "This guy is such a powerhouse." Oh, he's a fucking rock. It was weird. It's yeah. like 
I had moved to shame about his wife, though. <laughs> Those who? Philip Seymour Hoffman's wife. Isn't oh not Phyllis Seymour Hoffman, uh uh John C. Riley. No, the other guy <clears throat> with the mustache. Yeah. Oh yeah, Felicity Huffman. This year, thinking that. Yes. Okay. Now, took a second to connect it. No, 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 yeah. no, Bill like, Macy's I, wife is Felicity Huffman. Yeah. Which sounds like Hoffman. Hoffman. And so yes. that's why I connected. That's why I connected. Right? Yes. Yes. And uh, and uh, he has the other great uh, great moment. Yeah, because he his wife is constantly having sex in the parking sex lot. Sex in the parking yeah. lot. Yeah. Uh, Give me that the bottle just for a second. Yeah. You bet. I remember when this movie came. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you but, very yeah, much. That's right. Felicity Huffman. You're you're drinking that rosé like I drink scotch. Yeah. No, it, have some. I'm kidding. No, uh, no I no, remember. I'm kidding. I remember <laughs> when that movie came out. I moved here from New York, mm-hmm. and I got a job. Wait, when did when did Boogie Nights come out? Ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. Yeah. Ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. Yeah. yeah. And I met Shit, my man, wife. I, oh my god. Okay. I go met ahead, go my ahead. wife. At, uh, I worked at a company above her coffee shop. She had two coffee shops mm-hmm. she owned. And that's how I met her. I went in and asked her for coffee. That was uh, oh, awesome. July eighteenth, nineteen ninety seven. I I actually, oh my god, I remember seeing that in theaters with Karen. And I remember. I think that's actually the last time I saw it. I haven't seen it since. Oh, oh dude, dude I movie. have to yes. see it again. It's I know, so I know. good, and I loved it when I saw I it. I remember yeah, I was working I there, and there was a guy next to me at this internet company, Stewart, and he was a super nice guy. And he's like, yeah, my brother-in-law made a movie uh, about the porn business. <laughs> I'm like, really? And he's with like, Marky yeah, Mark. oh, with, with Burt Reynolds. I'm like, really? I got to check this out. That was his brother-in-law. Oh That's incredible, dude. And I was just like, your brother-in-law is a fucking – I saw he's a genius. He's, he's a genius. the most yeah. amazing – 22 dope. years ago, dude. Yeah, yeah I know. I, know. No, I just wish that Paul Thomas Anderson would take on a Terminator film. That's all. I just wish that he would just oh, come cross on. that bar. <laughs> <laughs> I realized nice callback. Nice I, callback. I, I basically <laughs> I realized yeah it's 25 years since I got out of grad school yep boy oh boy yeah I uh, I graduated from grad school in 97 so 20, 22 years for me it's depressing is it's it it's exciting no I don't think so I don't I'm not well depressed. I'm 33 but yeah I'm don't not worry the, it gets exciting I don't don't <laughs> you can't you can't live in like you know what have I done with my life situation that's bullshit I am infinitely happier now than I have ever been yeah so I, am, I so would rather be why here why is now. that I've made uh, hard choices in my life that led towards great happiness yeah and if it that's, wasn't for the mistakes the hard you made choice you, is not like you weren't you stopped murdering prostitutes in the hills oh I didn't well, I, I, yeah. it's a pause it's not it's, it's a pause not, yeah, it's a pause, it's a pause. It's a pause like the once you take a break yeah. you know hey by sad. the way you stop drinking I sent you but guys but he will go back to murdering I prostitutes I sent you guys <laughs> I sent you guys. By the way, sure. my mother's friend, her best friend, she still is back east. Her mother lived in L.A. and the first Hillside Strangler body was mm-hmm. in her yard. Oh my god! I remember that call. Awful. Like my mother's oh, apoplectic. I feel bad about the jokes. That was really like that's literally awful. she came out. Yeah. The Ramirez guy, oh, like dumped it in her. That's fucking. It's awful. like holy Ugh. shit. But the thing is that I was thinking about was um, going back to. Uh, Le Chateau? Oh, no. Le Chateau. Le Chateau. In Paris. <laughs> oui, oui. There we go. See? Going back to... Uh, oh, God. I forgot. It's all right. That's all right. We can do it. Brain farted. That's all right. Uh, strangler. We, no. I sent you the Zodiac links. Did you see the History Channel thing that I oh, sent I you? Oh, I fucking forgot to watch that. I, I, watch that. I had to buy the last two episodes. Those motherfuckers wanted to charge me. 
I got to say, I got to say, because we did a Zodiac a couple weeks, which is coming out, guys. Check on the podcast. Check on Instagram on uh, Martini Giant. It will come <laughs> out soon. But here's the thing. <clears throat> you will see there is a whole new – this is an interesting thing on the History Channel. Mm-hmm. It's $8 for all of them. They came out a couple of years ago. But their approach, these guys, was not to look at the evidence in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. What they these guys did – and. They don't come up with complete answers, Mm -hmm. but they go back to unsolved murders in California in the 60s. So Santa Barbara, 1962, um, in Riverside or Riverside County, a public library or a school library. And they look at basically all the patterns. Oh, my God. I forgot to turn off my phone. I'm so sorry. Pardon me, everybody. Back to you. Um, they look at the patterns, and they're like the early stages of the Zodiac. Oh, interesting, interesting. Because like the the girl in this one, Santa Barbara one, was coming out of the library. Oh, the attenuator or whatever, and her car's gone. And then this guy pulls up, do you need a ride? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So then she stabbed, hogtied, and stabbed. And I'm like, and they're like, that's that's what happened. Zodiac. Like yeah. But the police departments didn't communicate. And right. those guys in right. the Santa Barbara, it's really fascinating. We're like, I think we got something similar. Yeah. They traced it back. They traced it back to two guys. Ah, uh, it's your theory. It's your but theory. the thing is, one of the guys worked at the library and he was a student. Uh-huh. Interesting. And he studied cryptology. That was his uh, major. Right, right, right. right. And the so there's an interest. And then the other guy worked for the Navy. Right, with the wing And walkers. he lived yep. – the interesting thing is that he lived – They should make a movie about this. I know, but a the long, point is – three-hour movie. The, three-hour uh, movie. I actually like think – Like Fincher would be amazing. What's like, interesting – Because he did Mindhunter. I was like thinking exactly the same thing. What's interesting about this is that if there was an underground network of people who are attracted to the idea of murder mm-hmm. or know somebody that's murder, mm-hmm. right? Imagine if all the suspects that they brought up – actually, they all knew each other. And they truly knew, right. like, who actually did it. Right. It was right, almost right, like right. a sorority. Right. And they're just fishing. Everyone's fishing around at the the, at the kind of the perimeter yeah. of the sorority. Right. But it's like, wait a minute. But the one guy, um, the one guy they did was he was a Navy code writer. Mm-hmm. And he lived in uh, by the Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. And... The cab fare cost and distance equals coming from his neighbor. Oh my God. To the guy who's yeah. ki- the cabbie that was killed. Right. Because right. it was two dollars and ten cents. From Tenderloin up to Yeah, Hill, and it was, was. exact. Yeah. And the guy always referenced the Mikado uh-huh. and across the street from where he lived was the Mikado um a, a oh, show. Crazy. So the thing was, but he also knew the guy in Riverside. Oh my God. Yikes. Yikes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just like what we talked about earlier, but it seems like it's an onion being peeled. Right. We'll never truly know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I true. believe all those guys knew each well, other you know, in some ways. I, I but I would – I, I mean they don't hit all the – it's interesting to watch because they their approach – I'm sorry. Their approach was not to say, okay, we have a guy killed in a cab in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Let's figure that out. They said, what other crimes match this that are, that are similar on, to this? Yeah. And it was 
Right. A well, lot. They, I actually just I heard a podcast on this where they like there's the two this things. This podcast that will probably come out after our Zodiac episode. Yeah. So, so. that's good. This is just an addenda. This is an addenda. Like, yeah. Addendum. The uh, addendum. Yeah. Addenti. Addenti. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Special and, uh, for Nicole. Yes, that's right. That's there right. Uh, the uh, so uh, the podcast that I was listening to it was like the two things that are going to change all of this, just in general for solving crimes like this, are um, uh, uh, advanced uh, genetic processing because they yes. can do that with like uh, with you they know twenty three and Me right and and, uh, and AI like. Because the speed and the of that you can make connections between similar things with that they did just that like, with the code and they there did that Things out here it, yeah. um, UC uh, University USC mm-hmm. is that in the AI lab they took his uh, codes mm-hmm. and they uh, used AI on it yeah but yeah. the interesting thing about it is like some of the little squiggles and stuff mm-hmm. was here's the interesting Chris and I know we're going to the little you know how they were like half circles or quarter Circles filled uh-huh, right. behind letters. Right. That phrasing of where it's a full dot filled or a quarter dot filled, that was a way for um, – it's called Booz Allen and it was a – it's a firm mm-hmm. a, a, that does – military work, mm-hmm. Booz Allen and something. That started- oh, yeah. They're a consulting firm. That's where uh, 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 what's his name Snowden worked. Oh, interesting. Edward Snowden worked at the same place, right. right? And the thing is, that's what they use. By the way, you know who also works there? Someone that we both know, Paul Rudd, Daniel Lay. Oh, how do I know that guy name? Daniel Lay. He's VFX soldier. Yeah, yeah. That's After right. he left the visual effects industry, he works for them. Yeah. That's crazy. He's the Zodiac killer? No, no. That's insane. He yes, works Daniel Lay. <laughs> he is, went back in time. <laughs> is is uh, a, a, a cloth and hair guy in right. character work. Right. He is also uh, 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 VFX soldier, and he's the Zodiac killer. I knew it. Yeah. God, you, but he works for the them doing what? I don't know. He's, they're a consulting firm. That's right. They're a, they're, but they're a big was, consulting firm. Yeah, he got out of the business, and I've always listened to him. To, you know, that's why. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. uh, but the thing was. He's he, a smart guy, actually. He's a really smart guy. No, I, I always liked his podcast. And um, the thing was, and I'll end on this because Chris is getting pissed. But the thing was. Um, <laughs> what? what? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the thing was, is that was a way they. Should I light that candle, by the way? Yeah. Oh, they'd get all smoky and whiskey in here? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, keep, keep, I want to hear your point, though. The, I want to hear your point. The system, the, some of the things Just under the words or the phrases were half circle, quarter circles, three quarter circles filled, almost mm-hmm. like little test dots. Right. That was a way to show your progress of your work internally Interesting. at Booz Allen, blah, 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 right? This company. Right, right, right. right. And they stopped doing that internal system. So if you were working on a report and you felt, well, I'm halfway done, you would put that little thing there. Right. That one of the guys worked there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But they went to them uh-huh. and they said, we can't give out information prior to <laughs> Brother. Oy. So he was basically Oy. riffing, taking shit from all around. It's am- it's amazing that dude didn't get caught. Like, it's like everybody knew something. But they're all dead now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing was, it it's pretty incredible. So at one point, the letter, and they call it Z37, Z037 or Z028, those are the different letters. Mm-hmm. There are um, – one of them, he said, oh, I killed 37 people. Right. And right. 
they they stop the show after one season, but I think they're going to bring it back because everyone's like, there's so much more to do. Right. But they did actually hit some walls with the FBI and the the Booz Allen. Interesting, man, oh man. Like we can't really move ahead right, unless I'm they go help. Get a, a, a lighter. I'll be right back. Share uh, information. Yes, we're, we're lighting. A, uh, what are the, what are these things that we're lighting? Um, sorry, I will I will explain. This is a uh, a candle that I won in the internal office. Uh, what Halloween party? Right. Uh, and Kristen was knew exactly what she was doing when she gave this to me, which is the whiskey and oak scented candle. That sounds absolutely lovely. That sounds exactly like what we need. To That's the closest to whiskey room. I will have gotten in a long time. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and get light a lighter up. to light this candle and make That's it right. more aromatic. I love it. Yes, so that's basically. So I sent a link. You can watch the first. I think there are six. You can. How watch much it. was the buy-in for the uh, for the end of it? How much? Eight did you bucks. Have? Eight bucks. Nah, I can do eight bucks. Sure. But you watch the first stuff. three or four, so, and then the last two you have to pay eight bucks. I have the to History watch Channel. That, I have to watch that in the daytime. It gives me terrible nightmares. And I, I got to tell you, just kind of listening to it. Yeah. I listened to it when I was working, and mm. then occasionally look. It's pretty interesting because we covered the Zodiac and mm-hmm. we discussed it and you obviously researched it. It's a whole – that angle, that fresh perspective is really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, it, it's amazing two. and we touched on it. Like these departments were not talking to each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, yeah, and some still won't share information. That's crazy. And they're like, yeah, we said it to the FBI. But the interesting thing is the FBI knew everything. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that, I mean, yeah, well, okay. They, well, the meeting is they had all the information. Mm-hmm. They would go to the different counties and talk to, the, to the, the, the police. Right. So they actually accumulating data. They had the most, but none of it was actionable. They didn't do stuff on it. And I actually think, you, you tell me, like, it's because of the connection to the Booz Allen. Uh, maybe so. Maybe so. That's interesting. Yeah, so they're protecting that as a, yeah, because they yeah. didn't want to get that mixed up. Yeah, that's interesting. Because he does reference Diablo Mountain. In one of them, with an X, mm-hmm. that is a Navy relay station to send signals to the Navy. Oh, man. And he worked doing that. Oh, man. Yeah. It's so strange. David Fincher, if you're listening. But the point Zodiac is, all these, all these guys, <laughs> um, I, I act, what if it was a club where they just really? wanted to be famous so they right. knew people who, and they all just hung out? And well, shared information. There's a uh, there's a brilliant and incredibly depressing book called 2666 by uh, Roberto Bolaño, which I really love. My favorite books. And um, 26. 2666. And um, he's a Chilean writer and he's uh, magnificent. He's dead now. Uh, but uh, 2666, a large part of it has to do with um, uh, the unbelievable murder rate in, um, in, uh, in uh, Ciudad Juarez, uh, Mexico. Um, and that it's from the cartels and all this. You see what happened today? No, is that no? What what happened today? You didn't see what happened today? Yeah, the nine people that were murdered. Mormons, family, oh burned alive. Ugh. That's so fucking depressing. Beautiful in, in blonde the, family yeah. in the United States. Yeah, yeah. By by um, in the United States? Yeah, they were at the they were near the border. So they the guys came across the border. Ugh, no, so depressing. Yeah. Uh, but that that's is, not going to help. Uh, any arguments against the wall? <laughs> yeah, but no, that's no. that's crazy. I didn't know yeah. it was that, but I it think, was I a think famous. It was, it was a famous Mormon family oh, that brother. are down there. I think they're related to Mitt Romney. 
Really? Yes. Oh, I would like, because crazy. Mitt Romney's great grandfather was one of the first Mormons to go down to Mexico oh, the turn of the century. Maybe f- it was in Mexico. I don't know. Whatever yeah, it yeah, was. But the point is there is a group, of, a, a, a sect of Mormonism right. in uh, northern Chihuahua region oh, of Mexico. Wow. And that yeah. was his great-grandfather that started uh, interesting. for yeah. his grandfather. Right. But the point is they're related to Mitt Romney. Right, right. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, and then you have the other uh, – the white supremacist who uh, was sitting to blow up a synagogue. So things are going to get really fun for the next – year <laughs> yeah and more intensely let's let's move on to light comedy so, let's do, give me one second case. chris okay you got it my friend right. i just want to talk to the to those guys outside yeah just you know make sure they're uh they're taking care of business yes what are we talking about <laughs> there we go all right all right oh glorious so how can we turn the uh, the mood back up for uh, everybody's lesson. Eric, Eric loves conspiracy stuff. It's good though. It's fun. It's, it's fun. fun. I love that stuff. I yeah. mean, who I me mean, like everyone everyone involved in that is dead. So it makes it it makes it uh, fun and interesting. <laughs> but when once you start talking about actual murdered people today, then I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that weighs on my weighs on my soul. Yeah, it's a little tough. Yeah, it's a little tough. It's a little, a little tough. tough. So, what other good things have been happening that we can uh, that we can, we can talk about? That be, be, be so we can make sure that we stay on topic. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to briefly say I saw the lighthouse. The lighthouse. The lighthouse was fucking great. Yes. Oh my god! Brilliantly photographed. Brilliantly acted. Yeah. Absolutely insane. More insane than the ads let on. And Willem Dafoe uh, is my acting hero. He's just incredible in this movie. He takes things that was he more extreme, and I'm sure the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. But was he more extreme than his character in Wild at Heart? He's uh, he, uh, you and I both love Wild at Heart, and he, the character he plays for everybody who has not seen it is Bobby Peru. Bobby Peru, um, and with his uh, ugly ass teeth, and he is a vile, vile person in that movie, and extreme. And over the yeah, top yeah like absolutely absolutely overacting yeah. insanity yeah. uh he i would say he is uh he's much more likable person in this movie than bobby peru is right. um but he is a more he's more he's even more committed to this role than bobby peru because bobby peru is as wonderful as it is it's sort of like a showstopper right <sighs> and he can you can only take like a total of 10 minutes of Bobby Peru because it's too, it's so much. It's too much. It's too much. It's like you're getting raped in the face. Yeah. Or in, <laughs> or in, in anything in your yeah. foot. <laughs> it's just the worst. It's um, horrible. Yeah. But, oh, yes. Oh, you got, oh, did you get the wrinkly stuff? Oh, the wrinkly crinkly. What did you get? You got the little secrets, dark chocolate Same. pieces. Same. Yeah. It's a secret and it's crinkly. Um, but yeah, he is in the lighthouse. He has to sustain this for, you know, an hour and a oh, half. Oh, I got to see this movie. This movie is fucking incredible. Get that mic close to your face before you Dude, start eating those things. So good. I can't even tell you. It's bananas. Robert Pattinson is hilarious. It is a dark, weird, weird, somewhat beautiful frightening, movie. beautiful movie uh, that is also extremely funny almost all the time. And uh, and Willem Dafoe, that if you see it for one thing only, you see it for Willem Dafoe. Uh, you see it in the ad when he goes, Winslow! Like he follows that up with a curse and it is like 100%. Yeah, I'll take a little bit of crunchy bits. Thanks. 
You figure I'll it figure out. that. All right, put it in my hand. Um, the, he delivers a curse, which is it was astonishing. It was like a legendary cinematic moment. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. It's one of the best things I've ever seen in a movie. It's fantastic. So there you go. And I now, watched him in what do you guys Basquiat How, over do you guys like the sound? It's like ASMR plus plus. Is this is this a good sound? Oh yeah, how about this? Does that work? Is this what was the sound mm. we were talking about it with Sally? Like mm. sounds that are good, like ice clinking in glasses. Oh, that's a good sound. That's a good sound. Is this a good sound for no. people listening? No, that's, ba- that's a bad sound. It's a bad sound. Crinkle's a bad sound. I think uh, opening um, a nice uh, chilled can of La Calum coffee. Uh, especially the vanilla draft latte that planes when they're pulling up on the tarmac also but we're not sponsored by planes so i'm just going to spend a little bit more time on luckily we're not sponsored by luck either yeah oh no. fuck those guys yeah who cares anyway planes but but eventually they will as like you know what we're getting a lot of free advertising eventually they're gonna uh, we're gonna we walk are in. advertising them. that's right they're gonna walk in there's gonna be a i would actually ask Ed our, listen- check. our listeners mm-hmm. uh, our our five listeners if you don't mind me chewing in the microphone J- james cameron is one mm-hmm. of them do we really mm-hmm. have five no, we have more than that. But I, I was Cameron, why I would I ask our listeners if you happen if you go to the grocery store uh, available actually at Trader Joe's. A lot of people are in Los Angeles that listen to this podcast. Go to Trader Joe's, pick up a can of La Colombe and a picture of you saying, "Hey, I bought this can of La Colombe and tweet it at La Colombe." Because I listen to Martini Giant, Martini Giant. That's right. You should sponsor this podcast. I, 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 I think and, that and, we can and do if this. They, if we can do this and get La Colombe to realize the importance, this, yeah. the importance. Do they have La Colombe in Belgium? I don't know. Mm. Oh, okay. Belgium or Norway? Actually, or Nor- Norway. Norway. Are you going? Our there? fans in Norway. No, we have a, we have a good listenership in Norway. Hello, Norway. We're very happy that you're listening to Norway, us. Norway, Hungary, Hungary. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's uh, very exciting. And, That's uh, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and uh, and Belgium. Mm-hmm. What's crazy is Chris hates Hungarians, and it's, it's well, yeah. Uh, so we are going to have slightly less yeah. Hungarian uh, listenership next week. Do you like that, Chris? That's okay, I just threw you under the bus. <laughs> but we, the rest I'm of us, half love Hungarian. Him. That's true. So you, <laughs> That's why you hate yourself so much. <laughs> That's right. But if you if you are in um, Norway. And you cannot get a hold of Lakalam. Maybe you can't. I'm not sure. But if you can't, find a picture on the internet and tweet that and say, we will buy Lakalam in Norway because of Martini Giant. Right. And then uh, – And any of you go – and any of you people in Europe and they're going to prestigious universities and they happen to know anybody from the Lakalam family – that's right, and uh, and and want to invest in yeah. uh, various projects that we have here. Which actually, actually think La Colombe actually works for the 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 the, the Le Chateau the Chateau podcast because it's, it does. It is a French word. I'm actually going which to means the dove. I'm going to do something super super Instagrammy. I'm going to Instagram my uh, my La Colombe right now. Here it is. Do we do they have a Twitter or Instagram? We're going to find out in ten seconds. Okay, there it is. So please continue. I will. Con- I'm, I'm going to put this together and put a nice. I was on watching it. Defoe. I watched over the weekend um, again uh, the Basquiat. Oh, Basquiat! Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we are, La Colombe Draft Latte. Okay, and then we're going to put it. What should I? Uh, Perpetua Amaro, Mayfair, or Valencia? What's well, that? Valencia. Great. Yeah. That's the. Uh, Filter. Filter. Nice purplish filter. I don't know anything about. And now we're going to try to. Instagram. Uh, say. I'm, not, I'm, I'm like, doing this wrong. Might as well be. You got to hashtag it. 
I'm hashtag. I have a hashtag. And uh, La Colombe. We so suck at uh, getting this. No, we'll, we're doing hey, it. we we're have to talk progress. after um, okay. La Colombe. We got it. Bang. Okay. There we go. That's right. How do you like your computer? Which one? Laptop. This one? Razor. Uh, well, it's not my computer. Oh. It is the computer of the company mm-hmm. that was donated for us to, to, to work on and to try out. It's amazing. It's ridiculously powerful. Mm-hmm. It's the Razer Studio for those who are yeah, wondering. It's not out. Oh, they're out now. It's out now. It's actually – it's expensive but surprisingly reasonable considering I've been looking the at the Asus. Yeah, but the Razer is pretty – Damn good. I could probably nicer get that now. Computer. You can. 15 inch. And it's like four grand. Three or four grand, I think. Right? But the the it is a very powerful Can we use petty cash from the Martini Giant to Yes, we have a petty cash. We'll we'll basically we may have to cut down our La Colombe budget. Not yet though. Not, Not yet. yet. Not yet. Not till <laughs> we find wait. out for sure. Yeah, just yeah. wait. So yeah, so now when you hear this, um, you will re- like you but many of our followers just saw the La Colombe tweet and then you'll later hear this podcast and you'll connect it in time. How long we take to release something? <laughs> like this is a, a perfect. Don't way show to track. behind the curtain, though. <laughs> perfect way to track. Don't show behind the How, curtain. When yeah. we actually this, this is probably going to come out like six weeks late from yes. now. So this is the. Uh, I mean, literally this weekend. Another thing that's a key tell is that Terminator just came out this. That's weekend. true. Okay, that's a giveaway. That's a giveaway. Uh, so and the, the Zodiac Killer is on Rampage. Has, has been <laughs> exactly. Is, yeah, has come back. Has been unfrozen. Yeah. Um, oh, who but, saw it? This is ADD time. Welcome back to ADD podcast. <laughs> WADD. WADD. What was that again? <laughs> I like broccoli too. Uh, welcome back to ADD podcast and Brussels sprouts. And no, but the thing is, uh, did you see Ad Astra? Uh, yes, and I loved Ad Astra. God, I got to see that. Movie. I loved it. I, I have it. not seen it. I've been it watching is. old movies. I saw well, what's Basquiat the one I think is like the, the first. <laughs> another tweet I saw it was hilarious. It's like. The first rule of passive aggressive club is n- never mind. Never mind. Do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's right up there with the first rule of tautology club is the first rule of tautology club. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, my quick review of Ad Astra is that that movie is not going to be for everybody because it is. Uh, it's not only uh, intentionally very, very, very slow in parts, um, but. If you don't have a specific kind of busted relationship with your parents, it may not make any sense. Interesting. And uh-huh. uh, and I can tell you hmm. that uh, that Eric I, and I will probably love this movie. It is like I <laughs> at the end of this movie. A specific kind, though. You did say a specific. It, very, kind. very, very. It's a like because I think that people want for this kind of story, they want a certain kind of resolution that's satisfying. I and, mean, a little bit like uh, like. Uh, uh, contact and her relationship with her dad. Yes, is, yes. they're not going to get that. Yeah, this is uh, like, like <laughs> yes, it is. It is safe to say that it is very much not that. Yes. And, uh, okay. And that is. And it, I'm trying it, to find ways to understand that without spoiling the movie. But. Yeah, like it, like that. Uh, yeah, it's safe to say. Like it's just like in order for Brad Pitt to resolve his emotional problems, like it's uh, it's it's going to be more difficult than. Than you would normally have it be in a movie like this. Okay, and uh, and 
And it's uh, the payoff from that is extremely satisfying in a totally unexpected way. Um, but I, I cried so hard after I saw this movie, like when I was driving home, that I had to pull over. Like it was just like it actually unlocked some key thing in my chest, and snot came flying out of my face. I was just like, this movie was literally. Did you designed. wipe your hand after that? Though? Not until I got home. <laughs> But yeah, it is the kind of movie that if it's if it's dialed into specifically uh, your personal issue, it will it'll be a home run. Uh, it is a a very beautiful, very very nicely bit of uh, a, a nicely uh, uh, put together bit of acting by Brad Pitt, um, and it's a strange mix of two thousand one and uh, sort of like boy adventure fiction, science fiction, mm. and so like all the science fictiony stuff is like. You know, it's like, and then they fight space pirates. And like, it's so like, so big and silly and treated very seriously. And that's kind of the point of the movie. And uh, until you see it, I guess it's hard to describe. But like, it, like the, like the, you've seen the ad, the, you know, they, uh, they get into a sort of a pistol fight on the moon with other, and like the movie is so, it's imagine if in 2001, they also mixed in like, you know, uh, Donnie daring and the space patrol, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and like they keep on switching to that channel. And in a movie that is essentially about the, the tension between, um, you know, sort of a boyhood relationship with your father versus the actual reality of the world, it makes a lot of sense, but it's just very strange. And so most people are not going to really, it's not like, it's not a very safe film. It's a very strange, daring film. And I'm definitely one of the best ones I saw this year. So that is my, concise review but it is you know it's interesting it's going to sound really strange and you're going to say it's stupid chris why do you put words in my mouth because it's like you always put words in my mouth (laughs) you like to put things in my mouth and it's not pleasurable let's keep going though (laughs) but when you look at the way things are depicted in films and i was thinking Mm -hmm. about this when i was watching boogie nights like he's with Oh, I forget her name. Red hair and um, uh, Moore. Yeah, uh, uh, Julianne Moore. Julianne, Julianne Moore. Moore. And they get in the car and they pull out of the driveway mm-hmm. in his new red car because yeah. he's showing her. And it was like, that's just a car pulling out of a driveway. But right. yet, I. It was such a romantic scene for me. Right. But then I'm like, but wait a minute. I, I'm sitting there drawing later after the movies, and I was like, that was just a car pulling out of a driveway right. what is it what point did i buy into that world where you know i i it was it was more than just a car pulling out of a driveway right right as no, simple like, as that yeah because like the the thing is and to bring it back to the chateau it's like when you are making a uh like when you're making a movie where you really can uh invest in your choices properly as opposed to being controlled by a studio like every little choice is going to add up to the right mode and decision you know like you're building a thing that is yours and the team that you put together but at what point am i what am i immersed in that world because i, I watched that i'm like in reality it's a car pulling out of a fucking driveway right with a red car which i could give a shit about cars right because i drive an isuzu because the of the point context it, of seeing those characters in that car at that moment is the summation of everything that you've seen so far and you've bought in it's it's there's something really smart about it. if you make a really good story, you can and you you it's all about your story as opposed to 
whatever investments you have to make to sell something, right? right? Like right. It's, it's something important about that that allows that story to grow. Well, because like everything feels very personal because like it's like when we were talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Brad Pitt driving around. Is some of my favorite stuff in the movie. Yeah, you know where you're just like you just fuck it. Just you just want to see it. I want to go it. back. I want actually want to go back to Tim Miller, right? Mm-hmm. When Tim Miller, when he was doing Deadpool, is like he he set some limitations on himself. Mm-hmm. Same thing when they did the Chateau. Clearly, they did. Right. What were the no restrictions money. that they he put on himself? He didn't want to do it for for, for more than twenty million or whatever it was. Good decision, budget, right? Kept control. Kept oh control. yeah, that's the smart thing, right? Yeah. But he did that. He did that because he knew it was like if we really restricted and kept it zoned yeah. in, right? But this was his. But that first, goes back to what, Tim, here's what my theory about doing a heist film is like you don't have a lot of money, right? And that forces you to be really creative, absolutely, right? Yeah. And yeah. So, so Tim knew this when. He made his first feature film, which was not small, mm-hmm. but he kept it small. Yeah, but then because he goes and does this. After the age of 50. I right. know. I got there. But with, but with like, but Deadpool, very, it's an expensive movie by any other standard. By except, any other standard. But, like, if the studio except were, it's, a, it's like, technically a Marvel film. Right. So. That movie, in, in anyone else's, any studio's hands, would have been a $110 million production easily. Yeah, right. but I think you some know. of those and he, production costs And he stepped costs away from Deadpool too. Exactly. Exactly. Because he had a difference of like – that's the thing. Yeah, he wants so, to be a certain way. So that's actually another point, Eric. Let's go back to the beginning because actually just the idea and, – and this does tie into the Chateau because like this is like – the Chateau to me is the prime example of like don't give me any money. I do what the, what yeah. the fuck I want. Yeah, I'm going to make the decisions that I want to make. I want to make, that's right? That's it. And the I only way – the more money you throw at a project, the less control you have. Control you yeah. have of the situation. Guaranteed. So Tim did that with Deadpool uh, uh Somehow he pulled it off, and, and and Ryan Reynolds was very heavily involved in that mm-hmm. too, because I, with the teaser that they made for Deadpool, which by the way was years, years before it was released, released. I think right. like five or seven years between yeah. the teaser and when it was released. And and, the and, only- and just to just to add to this, like that teaser affected other movies that got made during that time. Like that that teaser was such a thing to trade around. Uh, when we, when when I saw it, I was like, "Holy shit, that's but hysterical. it never it never got out." Like when 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 I saw it, and you Deadpool, saw it at Blur, right? Well, no, I, I no, I had seen it on uh, something I O Nine or something. No, like that. no, 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 no. The no, one no, where no. he's flipping over the car with the drawing. Yes, yeah. I, so, I, so I didn't see that at Blur. Ah, I definitely saw ah, it outside of Blur. Right. So it never left Blur right. ever. Mm-hmm. This is this the story. It never left Blur. Right. It was there, and I saw it. Before when it was still at Blur, because right. Kevin Margot was one of the people who worked on it, right? So right. Kevin Margot was the VFX. Uh, Tim Tim obviously directed it, and right. whatever. But Kevin Margot was a VFX supervisor or whatever. And what then, have I seen Kevin Margot in? Uh, Construct, right? Yeah. Also, there's another short film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, v R R L. Is any good? <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> Directed by uh, uh, no, no, uh, whatever. <laughs> Tron? No, that's yes. the movie. No, Kaczynski did that. <laughs> right, right, no. Dan Thron, yes, you directed Kevin Margo I did. Uh, as an actor. Got, but anyway, so Kevin Margo was involved with that, and so that thing stayed there. So Kevin showed it to me when I was at Blur. I was like, holy shit, this is hilarious. It's really funny. It's like super violent for and R-rated for uh, um, a superhero film, which mm-hmm. was the point of it, right. right? And Tim knows that because he's like, Here's the thing that Tim did, which is very, very important, mm. is he said, if you're going to do a 
movie about Deadpool, who's an important uh, figure in the uh, Marvel universe, Mm -hmm. right? He's a very important figure, actually X-Men universe, Mm -hmm. really. But uh, he is a violent and funny character. That's what makes it work. And that's where the comic book works. So he wants to stay faithful to that. that, And that formula does not work in the quadrant. And the quadrant, I mean by over 25, under 25, male or female. Male, female. This is R-rated, mostly male-oriented. That's that's what that's for. And he says, I need to make that and stay faithful to that character because he's passionate about true comic book fandom. Right. And they said, no, it would never work. We'll never make – you're never going to make a superhero film that's R-rated. Right. And, it, and they were – they could have been right at that time. But suddenly there was a moment when they was right. And mm-hmm. somehow it leaked. Yes. This is when I saw I think it. I was working there mm-hmm. for those two months or two and a half months or whatever the fuck I was there for. Right. When you leaked it. And it was like, no, but it was leaked and they had a meeting. He came into the center and said, you know, in front of this bookshelf and saying, hey, it was leaked. I, for me, I thought it was, I thought he was full of, sh- not full of shit. I just thought he was lying to everybody. I thought they leaked internally and right. were just covering their ass. Right, right, right. I mean, that was my takeaway. Right. It wasn't saying he was being Well, he yeah. said, he said, he said, you know, you know, I swear I never was responsible for that. Right. And he may not have been or whatever, but, uh. But basically, the 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 short was not just it was it was not leaked in it was almost ridiculously leaked because it was an iPhone video of a of a screen. <laughs> right, 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 right. Was that's, it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how the leak happened. I thought it was. I thought it was just somebody grabbed something on a thumbnail. That's no. funny as hell. So yeah. it was like way oh, less maybe. traceable that right. way, right? Right. And somehow that got out, and everyone went ape shit. Like, oh my god, I yeah. want to see that movie. Which was proof to the studios, like, oh, yeah, but maybe we should make. I it. think and I my takeaway was I from what I thought, and I think other people were saying it was all planned. Oh, dude! I mean, if I if I were if I well, were him, I would have I would have definitely leaked that myself. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, like it was a part of the whole thing. To, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say he did or didn't because I mean, uh, uh, you know, Tim, Tim I've, I'm sure that there are legal I've, reasons I've, to say that you don't. But Tim, yeah. Tim has, <laughs> like, Tim has been on my CG Garage podcast twice mm-hmm. or maybe three times, right? And he even said it on the podcast, like, I swear on a stack of Bibles. Like, I don't know how religious you are, Tim. But, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but nonetheless, like, I mm-hmm. did have nothing to do with it. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. it proved that something could be done. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, was very important to Tim. And so even – okay, let's, let's put the Terminator thing aside. Mm-hmm. I still believe – I have mixed feelings about Tim, but actually ultimately speaking – uh, I have a huge amount of respect for what he uh, is trying to do, right. which is to show that you can stay true. There is a – and I, I'm not a big comic book guy. He is. Right. He absolutely is. And I mean – what I mean by comic book guy is like he really loves comic books sure, as a genre. Yeah, old school. As old school. Yep. And he realizes that comic books are can be incredibly niche. They're yep. not the four-quadrant. Yeah, all that, the best that, comics are not four quadrant. Right, which the Marvel films are, are very four quadrant, four extreme. quadrant film, yes, extremely right. Absolutely. He is not that guy. So what what Deadpool did for him is he proved that you can make a very successful yeah 
billion dollar movie. Billion dollar movie that without is not, playing to four quadrants. That not in the four quadrants, and that Pardon. enabled him to do uh, 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 love, sex, and uh, sex, uh, love, and robots. Sex, love, and robots. Right. right? And uh, and uh, uh, and not only that, but this has been reinforced with the success of Joker. Uh, which right. has also made nearly a billion dollars and is not a four quadrant picture. Right. So that I think is good. Yeah, absolutely. Now, was Terminator a mistake for him to get involved with? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, mean, I haven't seen it. I don't know. I mean, we. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Well, we just talked about this earlier. It's like we've all made mistakes, quote unquote, sure. in our lives, and right. we've learned from those mistakes, right. Right? right? So, and that makes us a better person in the long well, run. Well, it's like I've and only, I'm sure he learned a lot yeah. from working on like, a two hundred million dollar yeah. film. Yeah, it's spectacular. Doing- sure, I mean the thing has been like I've only I've only met Tim Miller one time, and I, I thought he was a very nice guy, and <laughs> I think he's a very good director, yeah. and. Uh, uh, and I really, adm- and he's also like on a sort of, uh, an, an age tip, my, one of my remaining heroes of getting a movie made, even, uh, the, your, his uh, first it, movie was over 50, was over 50. Yeah. And uh, you and I have not hit that yet, we, my friend. Yes. I know. We stop, stop time. See? Uh, it's like, it's like, uh, him and, uh, Ridley Scott's son are the two left <laughs> that we can idolize. Right. Um, but I was, it is very impressive, especially to do something as, uh, successful as Deadpool and is sort of artistically true as Deadpool is right and so i really you know i like his work and i really respect uh the ways run uh his creative life mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't like i haven't seen terminator i don't like that terminator clearly is going to be a giant bomb i wouldn't pin that on tim i would simply pin it on people's perception of terminator you know like yeah with, just like, to clarify i'm not pinning on that guy tim yeah i'm just saying for somebody as unique as an artist it's like you yeah, know, like, it's like Picasso saying, hey, I'd love to do, you know, like do a yeah. whole line of fabrics for right. it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're fucking, you're, you're mixing it up with the monster. Yeah, exactly. yeah, Michael sure. Graves designs plungers at Target. I know. Right. But it's, it's, the point <laughs> is, <laughs> you're, you just said he's not a four quadrant guy. Right. And then he goes into bed with a guy who not only is made his whole his whole career as four quadrants. At, right. Yes. Not only that, his whole career and the way everybody knows him originally was from T2. Mm-hmm. So he's going to protect it like it's his child right, right do you know what i mean and it's like and he's alive right and he's got an opinion and yeah, it's I, like I, why would i step I into feel, that my, my feeling and I'm, this is all guess i know nothing about this at all my my feeling with james cameron is that he also came out to bat for the last two terminator movies especially the last one it was like no this one's really good back to the basics of terminator and like you know you're working on avatar and you want the you want to keep like your presence in the cultural uh, discussion, you come out and talk when there's a Terminator movie out and you talk about it positively because it keeps that whole thing going. That's your sort of responsibility as part of, uh, as a, as a EP on a show. Like that's what you do. Uh, I don't know if he, uh, I, I can't imagine that James Cameron was terribly involved in Terminator Salvation or Terminator Genesis or any of that stuff. He still came out and did his job and talked about how great it was going to be. So he Karen could sell the movie. hates me because of Terminator Genesis. It is a bad movie. Uh, because I said, oh, I want to watch this because of, you know, CG Arnold. Yeah. Uh, and I started it and I, within 10 minutes, fell asleep. No, man. And she said uh, she was forced to watch the whole thing because she can't stop it. Yeah. 
Like that. That and is because you are an asshole. Because I had to. I watch end up this watching whole, this fucking thing. Yeah, I agree with it. That is that is one of the top three worst films I've ever sat through in my life, That's and it's not really because, incredible because you rarely say a movie sucks. It is that is a fucking horrifyingly bad. When did movie. it come out? I don't know. Five years ago? Six years ago? Now? Not sure. Less. Yeah, it was, and the reason why it is bad because you can make a much worse movie than that. Like you can, you can physically make a much worse movie than that, mm. but you can't make a more uninvolved, uninterested production than that. Like that is as generic as can be for something that's supposed to be made with creativity and love and nobody fucking cared at all. And you could see it in every single frame. It made what if angry. it wasn't James Cameron that meddled? But it was I love more, how you call him Cameron. 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 James Cameroon. Cameroon. What if it wasn't him that meddled? What if it was just the studio? I think it's just the studio. That's my, what I'm coming to is I think it's the studios. And I think they, they – We're pinning thing, it on him. But in fact, I, I it's just the studio yeah, just I don't feeling pin it nervous. On Cameron. I think that, that Cameron like, – I think that Cameron's one of the greatest filmmakers that has ever lived. And I think <sighs> that – like he's – yeah. I mean like he's he is not just incredibly successful. He's one of the greatest structuralists in film yeah, like he changed the industry two or three times and he's amazing. You know, uh, that being said, he is in his own zone making his own movie right now. So I don't know how involved he actually is when he's he says it was a studio. So I believe from what I saw from those ads, that looks like the same shitty studio advertising from Genesis and from uh, Salvation. And I was just like, this looks like the interchangeable mead notebook cover airbrush bullshit painting garbage that they've been foisting on us for years as a director just a question as a director for somebody of his stature tim miller Mm -hmm. he couldn't does this is not pinning it on i'm not i'm just saying he would wouldn't in his contract he'd say I really have to have control over the trailers and and, and no, the branding. That's yeah, not gonna I don't think that's going to happen. Not going to happen. I don't think it happen for him on this. So he's just totally. A, he can make a beautiful film, and right. then all of a sudden they fuck. Yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm I'm totally willing to believe that there's a that when I go to see it, I'm going to like that movie a lot. Like I think that Tim, Tim Miller is a really good filmmaker, and studio interference or no, I bet he made a good movie. Yeah, but the reason why, it, yeah, but the fucking marketing was a disaster. Yes. That could be it. Yeah. Like that's that is what I believe happened with it. Except but like, here's the, the thing: do you think also worst. because I think you touched on it earlier that there were two previous movies of this, and it's just like, oh Christ, not this again, right? It's got no. It has to. If they're going to pull it off, and this is like I tweeted about a couple of days ago, I was like, if you're going to refresh this fucking franchise, like you have to give it, like you have to have a budget of like thirty million dollars. You don't have anything. You have no stars, no Arnold, no CG galore, no giant exploding aircraft, none of that stuff. You give people like a camera, two unknowns, and go to downtown LA and make me a great movie. Like that's what happened the first time. Do that. You know? Be inventive. Figure I it out. Make a his, great fucking movie. If he movie. did it his way, it would yeah, have been absolutely. genius. Like, like if, you, if, you give, if you give Tim Miller uh, 30 million bucks and 10 people and a camera – You'd end up with a, a. What about eleven people? No, no, obviously go to go to hell. But like the, but you send them downtown to go shoot a movie. You're going to get a good inventive movie, and that's what that franchise needs because you want to be able to look at the like you want to look at that ad right for Terminator and well, okay. go, oh my god, it's so but, exciting. But, so they but, want but, a rebirth of the brand, but and they would want you a rebirth have done of the that? film world, and they don't allow it. But would you yeah, have exactly, done that? Exactly. Would the, you have done that? I mean, honestly, in retrospect, would I have taken the deal? In, no. A, n- 
Mm, no way. No fucking. I would be tempted by the deal. No fucking way. Absolutely, I'd be tempted. To, by to have those fucking. I would not. I'm. I'm telling right. you, my hand to God, Chris. If you don't believe me, you don't know me. No. The, I, if I had made Deadpool and these fuckers came to me, I'd say no, thank you. Because <laughs> right. in the end, right. if I made five now, million on the deal, about, think about, think about I, I probably way. need four he to live the rest of my started, life. Started. He probably started this deal before we all have all this. It was probably just before uh, uh, Solo came out. Like right. it's maybe so, it is. So so he he was like we. If, it's infuriating if, I, I, I to see good artists. I, yeah. If he had like never the, taken if he had never taken a deal and he started today, I think he would have a different perspective. Okay, I understand. Fair right. enough. And I'm this is not a bag on this guy. But, I don't, but I'm just saying for for to see the history for me the Tim Miller thing. He walked I, away from Deadpool too. Okay, but hold on a second. Let me. For me, the aggravating thing is not so much the Tim Miller thing. It, it, like he took it – he's a successful guy and you said it earlier. He's just going to fucking rebound and make great right, stuff. Right. The point Maybe. is – Well, hold on. The thing is to watch – and I've read a, a bunch on those guys from the um, the Lego movie mm-hmm. and the bullshit they went through. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. just like why? Why yeah. bring in great artists and like why bring oh, in yeah. a Tim Miller Star Wars guy is, like, and then got fucking shit a, on them? It's got, well, Star Wars I don't know got such a history of that now. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna ask you a question. Another one is interesting. He walked away from Deadpool 2 because of that. Right. Or some level It was of craft that. service. Is, I, I can't have decent fucking. No, that's right. It was all about crap. Not the fucking and, and red actually, vines. It was. Yeah. Uh, uh, a little plug for myself. Mm-hmm. Hit it. He never talked about it at all, and the first time he ever talked about it publicly was on your podcast. On I was there. My was podcast. Yes. Right. So that's the one hundredth episode of CG good Garage. Good plug of yourself. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I'm good. Listen, but was that but, CG but, Garage? But, yes, it was CG, CG Garage, Garage. Right. Yes, but <laughs> he he never talked about it. So. He walked away from Deadpool 2, right. which was a bold move to do for your second and film. And then tragedy right. hit it. Huh? Tragedy hit that too. Deadpool 2? Yeah. So then he died. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, dang. I didn't know. I don't know about that. that. Yes. A, yeah. a stunt girl, woman. Oh, right. She she died. No, I didn't know this. That's yeah. sad. That's terrible. It was completely unorganized. It's very possible. No, it's not very possible. They just are in court right now in Vancouver. Oh, man. Okay. So he walked away from that film. It says, I don't want to be director. Which is a strong decision. Strong decision. Difficult decision. If a situation, think about it this way. Now you get involved in Terminator 3 or whatever right. it is, right? And then you're in a similar situation where you feel like you need to walk away. Do you want to be known as a director who walks away from films? Yeah, it's true. No, but the thing you is, I mean? you don't even you can't do it again. No, but right. the Look, because he. May, what if he's trapped in that? Like, okay, I have, I have fuck, a different. I got to walk he, away he, again. The perspective is this, and you create something from the he created from Deadpool, mm-hmm. and that was his world that he created. Absolutely, and he made it his. You're taking something somebody else created. I don't, as, well, as distinctly as as uh, as uh, okay. T two. Right. I I would not. Just knowing how big Avatar is and how what a corporate machine. Yeah, or just he how is. like how Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis fell apart. It's like of the same okay, problem. so I already got two strikes against me. Right. I got to go in and make this, and then I'm getting kind of the feeling these people are going to tie my fucking hands. Plus, James Cameron, mm-hmm. where the Cameroon. fuck is Cameroon, yeah. is still alive. <laughs> I'm going to get emails from him. I would be like. I, I'm sorry, right? Unless I have total control, and you give me thirty million dollars, like you can't, you said. 
be right. the guy who walks okay, away from I, I have, two I have films. A, I have a different suggestion for the both of you. <laughs> well, okay, okay now, no, wait, wait, look wait. at, he said yes. And now he's the guy that directed a film that just lost a hundred, a buck fifty. Wait, 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 now what, what if it's this? What if it's this? Uh, that I'm, I, I believe we talked about earlier that, uh, that he is not, his brand is not going to be damaged from this. It's not. Right. I don't believe so, it is. But the point what is, if, what if, what if it is Tim's brand? It, yeah. Tim's brand is not going to be damaged. The okay. Terminator, Terminator is dead. Terminator's dead. Um, but uh, but Tim's brand is not going to be damaged. And he will not be blamed for Terminator failing. It's, I don't think he should be. Um, but uh, if oh, I'm he, sure, I'm sure the studio and James Cameron uh, will be blaming okay, hey, Tim Miller for this. Okay, hey, let's mock me a little this, more. I don't care. I'm not no, great I, with names. So it's Cameron. No, it's Cameron. But, yes, no, but it's funny I to said Cameron. That. Yeah, it's true. No. Did I say Cameroon? I, I said that. I know. I said Cameroon. I said Cameroon. I don't fucking care. But the point is, <laughs> so. I just know that for knowing, I don't know the guy. But the point, I met him just when I worked. They're going to blame Tim for this. So yeah, but that's bullshit. I, is it? Oh, here's my pitch. Okay, that it, yeah, I believe that Tim will be able to get back on track because yes, he's proved he's proven that he can direct a very very big expensive money a movie twice at least right one so, he's got one movie well he's gotten he's done two. Two big movies, one that did big money and one that cost big money, and he handled it, right? Obviously, the production of Terminator went fine. Okay, I'm going to right. So uh, the uh, my my suggestion is that what if it is like the Joe Kaczynski long game, because Joe takes Tron and uh, totally different director, and but but Joe takes Tron. Tron doesn't do that well. Tim Miller's a better Joe director. Joe takes another uh, show and. That's all right. He, like Tim Miller is a better director than Kaczynski. I, I, I really, I actually, I, I think that, yeah, I, I, I defend Joe because I think that Joe, actually, Joe has a vision. Yeah, Joe has a real like he is like I really love uh, uh, directing is, but he has a, a you, you vision. love what? No emotion. No, I, I, yes, in yes. certain contexts, absolutely. Yes. There like you the, go. The problem, the, the, the reason why. Tron. Jo- jo- I mean, Joe is much more influenced by Kubrick. Yeah, like, like the I know, is, but without the depth, mile wide, inch deep. Yeah, no, they're Sorry. like the, the, the problem. Mile fucking the, wide. The problems inch that deep. he has faced with with his with his movies so far is that his screenplays are not very good. Mile wide, like, inch deep. So, I worked for with him once. Yeah, you know, I worked. Like, I worked with him many, many times, and he's a super, super sweet guy, and I really, really very uh, sweet guy. And but he's, and he's his, no Kubrick. No, nobody's Kubrick. That's fine. I know. Like but, nobody's Kubrick. So we can agree on that. But, but like at what, least I, what I am Tim saying, Tim Miller's edge. He's a bright guy. Like you give with an edge to say fuck you or not. I and there's is, something but it's cool not a about competition that. between the two. Well, no, I'm trying to I'm describe why I like about Joe cool about that. for a second. So what I'm trying to say about Joe is that he has a phenomenal vision for what he's trying to do. Right. His uh his like 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 a good portion of why I go to the movies is to see ideas put on the screen visually like he does. And then they're stunning. They're absolutely stunning. He is uh, focused on getting better and better with actors. He's very good with actors now. He is still not worked with a very good screenplay. If you gave him a good screenplay and he directed it at the level that he's directing, but, then the but, movie but, would yeah, completely but come if together. The audience in Asia was but there. Oblivion was his screenplay. I don't, I'm not saying I'm Oblivion not, I, listen, was I, like I, I, just, is, I worked I was a light lead on Oblivion. Yeah. It was like it is Tom Cruise <laughs> going to a banana republic in the sky to return a pair of socks. So and it was like is, it was like this, I forgot my receipt yes. and you had to go back to Earth. To to reinstay what to, to re-say what I said that is not a very good screenplay. I'm not saying that he's a brilliant writer. He has very good you ideas know, you and know very, who kills all of this? Villeneuve. 
Well, yeah, well, again, it's like, okay, yeah, but we, not, we can not, bring uh, that guy in. Sure, we can bring Denny no, Miller into the conversation. There is He's a, a depth genius. to his visuals yeah. uh, that has both. Yes, it's true. There's a depth to the visuals that is not cleansed and it has, it has, it has cracks in the seams mm-hmm. and you get, there's something to it mm-hmm. that you get something from every image. And Villeneuve. Mm-hmm. Villeneuve? Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I believe is how it's pronounced. I don't know. Chris, no, Denis Villeneuve. I don't fucking know. I'm bad with names. Villeneuve? Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. So I said it correctly. You said it correctly. Oh, hi. I said. <laughs> um, <laughs> so all I mean to say is that I think that Joe. Looks very aggressive. I'm not aggressive. <laughs> Fuck you. That's going to be the clip. I'm, really, I'm not I, aggressive. I, Fuck off. <laughs> I, I have really. like. <laughs> you just marked it, by the way, you I, douche. The, 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 uh, the, between those two directors. Between Joe and uh, and Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Cameroon, Cameroon. You know that, that, Paris. That's what. It, in, Let uh, him finish. Go finish, Steve. <laughs> so, I think that I mean those two. I go- started the sentence, uh, and then you haven't let me finish my my thought okay, either. Complete your sentence, and then I'll interrupt you. <laughs> Villeneuve mm-hmm. did a franchise film. Yes, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. That's yes, what, yeah, it's and one it's of the best his own. Twenty years. Yes, so it is possible. Of, of course, I'm not like I don't know why I, I don't I'm not but trying the to. Thing com- is, like, like, okay, that, if that, I may, that, just that, but that, to recontextualize no, this, my, my me, the point that I did not yet get to finish was that these guys are friends. Joe and uh, Tim and Tim are friends. Yes. Right. Joe, they were both on my podcast on that 100th yes. episode. <laughs> Joe and Tim are friends. Joe has uh, had a a slow build, successful career. Right uh-huh. from making the the same investment that Tim just made in Terminator, which is to say, play ball with the studios once you'll survive, even if it goes wrong, and then it'll prove to them that you can handle this kind of a right. budget. And then on your next project, you'll have more control because you proved that you handled it, and you, because of the way it went wrong, you will be able to have more say and establish yourself further. Now, that, I don't know if that's a discussion they had. But that is what Joe's path has been. And now I happen to like, uh, I do like Joe's movies. I like Tron. I really liked Oblivion, even though it's, the script is wonky. Um, and I haven't seen the firefighting one yet, but I'm looking forward to Top Gun 2. Mm-hmm. He has made a, uh, uh, he's done step by step, um, uh, built this, uh, niche for himself to make these movies at a certain, uh, budgetary level that he feels that he needs to work at in order to deliver the things that he wants to deliver. And that's a long-term plan. He's a very long-term thinking guy. Now we know that from working with him. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like the, I would not surprise me if this were Tim's takeaway from this, like, fuck, if it goes wrong, man, I will still be able to move on to my next project. And I prove that I can make okay, but here's, here's a question movie. for you. Is he a studio system guy as opposed to Kaczynski? No, he's never been as – That's never... the fucking point, dude. Mm. And here's the thing. It's like I told you guys a story about years ago when I worked on uh, Smoke and I would have right. lunch with um, Jared Harris you know, yep. and, and yep. uh, Jean Esposito, whatever the fuck his name. Yeah, Jean Carlos Esposito. And the other guy, Vic, who lived on 10th Street by mm-hmm. Taylor's right. – uh, uh, Hudson and Taylor's by a cowboy – Cowgirl Hall of Fame, and he was in the King uh, King of New York and stuff. Yeah, right. and he told the story about Il Farrar who was going to do Carlito's Way, right? And he wore a 
cardboard, cardboard bow, tie bow tie and went down. <laughs> yeah, okay. So is that not his way of saying, fuck, fuck you, you. Yeah, I'm absolutely. not going to be able to do a studio right. film because he knows his limitations. As my analyst always says, know your strength sure. and know your weaknesses right. and capitalize on your strength. Right. So if that means you're not a studio guy, because right. Joe's a studio guy. Yeah, well, I think that both of them, are, like, both of them are in a weird category. Yeah, because I, Tim, I do believe that Tim is, like, Tim is is a studio guy. If you're talking, wait, 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 wait. Tim he won't make great films if no, he plays studio. That's roles. not true because we were all earlier talking about how great studio pictures can be with things like Singing in the Rain. So studio pictures can be great. Yeah, but also in the 1970s and also in the 1980s and also in the 1990s. Like the studios do have their high watermarks when they're working with really good directors and give them the control they need. It's but we just happen to be in this fucking lull right now that's just killing us, right? And so like if you like Tim Miller is a studio director in the way that Francis Ford Coppola is a stu- studio director. You know, Coppola was making The Godfather. That's a fucking studio movie that is a studios type story that is every, everything about that is studio. It's just also visionary and good. And the studio backed it because they had to. They True. had no fucking way around it. Now, st- what was his one prior was Finnegan's Rainbow or something? Yeah, Finnegan's, Finnegan's Rainbow. Yeah. And like the, uh, and so Tim Miller is the kind of guy who could make big studio pictures that are great. Like he can handle that. He has the yeah, strength to handle. And I'm not, uh, honestly, I, I, I worked for both of them at mm-hmm. one point in my life, mm-hmm. but I, I would consider Tim probably. He, there's a depth to him that I don't see in the other guy. Well, I, I, I'm uh, I wouldn't the say the other that. guy. Yeah, I, like, the other I, I've never like, I don't, CPA. I don't like <laughs> I, I I disagree. I've I worked yeah, with Joe Kaczynski many many times. It, Vill- Villeneuve like, is. Yeah, Villeneuve's Villeneuve. We can also bring in Ingmar Bergman. You know, I'm no, sure no, he's no. An incredible I'm just saying, well. alive directors in that age range. Right, but the thing is that like uh, that the guy that did the Killing of the Sacred Deer. Yeah, it's great. Bam. Yeah, Yorgos Lug- oh. some, some Yeah, it's incredible. But like the thing is that like I that I you know, I think that Joe, yeah, like I we we'd agree on the faults in his movies for sure. But like the things that he delivers in his movies are fantastic. Like that's the kind of stuff I do want to see on the screen. And and for my money, if I'm gonna like if I were to say, you know, who delivers uh uh like out of all these directors we're talking about from uh, Yorgos Lanthimos and Tim Miller and all these guys, like the kind of visuals that I am most interested in seeing be in a successful film are Joe's. Like those are crazy and interesting and brand new. And uh, that's, you know, like all the other guys, they deliver really good stuff. Yorgos Lanthimos and like his stuff is really nicely composed and shot. Uh, But you look at like the favorite, it looks a little bit like a BBC movie. Like it's not a visionary looking movie. It's no, a good movie. No, no, no. Right? But, it's a brilliantly directed but movie. But Joe's 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 thing is is a vision. Absolutely. And it ha- it, it has less to do with performance than it has to do with Absolutely vision. true. And like right? I think that his if he could figure out And that's why why like Claudio works with him exclusively, yes. right? Because right. Claudio's a brilliant DP, he's won multiple Oscars, right? right? Uh, uh, but Joe's thing is about like I'm going to give you a spectacle of vision yeah. that is a very specific Joe style. Right. Right. And his weakness is story and screenplay. His weakness yeah. is story and Without acting yeah. for sure. Right. Right. So, but he's much more interested in visual, in, in giving yeah. you a, 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 here's, here's some stunning yeah, fresh yeah, stuff. I, it's I, true. But however, like, fucking guy. but all I'm saying is that if you're not good with actors mm-hmm. and you're not bringing it, with a screenplay, 
for me, the visuals have, there's no purpose to so much of that. Like you look at the sets and stuff. It's like, it just seems decor. It seems like when it seems it's like a, a great fucking window it, at Bergdorf's government. Well, and I, it's like, okay, I, that's, but give me depth, one, give me depth in the visuals. Right. And so it doesn't reason, have depth in the, the visuals. Reason, the reason why, surface. the reason why you enjoy, and I enjoy Tim's stuff is because Tim feels, uh, earthy and passionate in his work. Right, like Deadpool is an earthy, passionate film, and it's funny because it feels like these are real fucking people making real, like making real jokes and saying. Well, we're just things. talking about the visuals, yeah, just but, like the believability of the world. Right. Well, the thing is that like it hits buttons for you that you particularly love having. No, hit, no, right? I like believability of the world, and I also like believability of purpose. But I also, I, uh, I also love sets and everything. And I sh- saw nothing that when I saw yeah, Oblivion, like that, I was like, would, Jesus Christ! I can't speak for you, but I can definitely say that there are movies like say I don't know, like the the fucking. Um, uh, like uh, uh, on Criterion Channel, I just saw uh, what uh, the uh, the color of prom- pomegranates. I think it's called like, like this brilliant uh, sort of um, Eastern block art film, sure. right? And like I have no idea what the fucking thing's about at all. Like it's not like an acting based movie with a screenplay. It's just incredible looking. It's all it is. Okay, right now if and you that's, took the, all the and, sound off on that, for me, you take all the sound off of, of like uh, Oblivion. Mm-hmm. It's a shoe ad. It's yeah, I, I I really, really, really I thought it like the looks in that movie uh are like the only time that the visuals uh fall flat are when he's trying to photograph dialogue. But the the like vision the of the thing, imagery plane flying around and landing, I did that shot. Like the landing right. and Yeah, it's and, a great shot. And it's just like but it's just there's nothing like interior, the whole interface, it was like there was more time spent on like interface stuff than the woman. Moving sure, but but even then, like I will, like I will go to bat for the 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 uh, the drama between Tom Cruise and his false wife is great. Like that's great. That's the part of the movie I was like, this is like a weird Twilight Zone, and she is a great actor, and they're really doing this, and they're really making this work. I wish the whole movie were as strong as that scene when, like, the final scene between them, which I thought was fantastic. Right, it's an, it so it makes it wildly uneven, and it's very and it can be very frustrating. I'm wondering, and I'm just saying this. Can you hear me, Chris? I can. Uh, um, this is the douchey episode, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Only for my point. You know, it's, okay. it's fine. They all have great careers, but it's just for me. You sit through it. It's like I'd rather get cathetered, right. and so uh, it really is. It's almost like what I've been saying about my heist film theory. That I said probably in the second episode of uh, uh, Martini Giant. So- Martini Giant is. Tie your hands. Oh, always, and, always. And I yeah. actually remember saying that to Joe he, when I was at Rob Niederhaus right. when I was working for him with my Niederhorse. And I was like, you just got to make a heist film, dude, because you'll have no, you'll be restricted. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like um, when you can tell if it's a playpen or, you know, just I could do anything. Right. And it's, to me, it's like, I think the th- thing that you were talking about earlier is like $20 million and you just make this. Mm-hmm. Those restrictions show up on the screen better. Oh, and I think you'll learn more from doing that for sure. Like because that, you find there's you can you can right. pull out more depth from something. Right. And it's um, it's almost like with his movies, somebody just signed a checkbook and said, "You just fill in the numbers." Right. And to me, it's like I don't you know maybe in 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 twenty years his stuff will be I don't know maybe I'll like it, but I for me I watch him I'm like. It's well, an ad. It's a shoe ad. I, and I, I don't want to see shoe it's, ads. It's from, from, uh, from my I want to see the, like, the director reflected in that a little bit too. Right. With Tim, you can see that. 
Right. Not that I, I know the guy, but the point is you can sense there's this kind of thing going on. And oh, that's, sure. that's the cool thing about the 70, 70s films is mm-hmm. that you can see each director was reflected in those films. Yeah, you see their mark on Mark. Yeah, and it's like, but I you've don't th- only seen one film by Tim Miller. Yes, but the point is knowing who he was and looking at that, that's exactly who he is, dude. Yeah. He's like um, – who was the guy uh remember he went fucking crazy at the Academy Awards in seventy eight or seventy nine? Um Brando. No, he did the Westerns and, and he was Chimino. No, he was also in um the uh pods movie from the fifties that I love. Oh uh, uh, Invasion of, of the Snatchers? Yeah, he's in that movie as the guy in the basement and Oh yeah, you're talking about it's uh it's uh 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 Peckinpah. Yeah. Yeah. It blew my mind that he's in that movie. That's hysterical. Peckinpah. Yeah. Fucking Peckinpah. Do you know what I mean? That, I, you know, I'm not romanticizing it. I, oh, just, I mean, that guy's a fucking asshole. Yes. He was a giant asshole. The point is. So, dude, and so is William Friedkin and all these other geniuses. <laughs> you know, they have character. I just, I feel like there's this kind of, it goes back for somebody who's, uh, you know, I, in my graduate degree, it was stage and film design. Mm-hmm. And I always loved like the Cedric Gibbons and the and I saw his stuff. He did, right. um, and that's Billy Gibbons' his uncle mm-hmm. of ZZ Top. That's amazing. Yeah, and he Cedric designed the Oscar. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so funny. But that's where he got from Montreal. Cedric, he got ZZ Top going. And uh, but the thing was, they had that whole like fake English band. Wasn't that part of it? I can't remember. I don't remember some other story. Who? Yeah, the ZZ Top wasn't it like when they were originally part of some. Uh, I'm mixing this up with something else. Oh, some- I'm gonna say though, that we, we we're two hours into this, and we've only talked about the movie for about okay. All right, so you're minutes. telling me I'll stop. It's the it is the ted- like I think that I'm the, just saying is, that it, we've talked about Terminator, a okay. movie that none of us have seen. <laughs> well, here's the thing. But hold on a second. If I can round this out, look, it's a feisty night. To- it's a feisty night. <laughs> but the point is, we're talking about. You look at the way uh, The Chateau was made, and it's a cheap film, mm-hmm. and how they made it. But you look at- There um, seems like, I, I can't believe you used that shot. I think there's like four spots of green, and I can't see anything. Yeah, it's like two, it's cubes. It's just cubes. It's brown cubes. What are you like saying, I'm looking what at. Uh, he's talking about the uh, the, uh, the resolution the, of the, the video. The resolution of the video is <laughs> like, so bad. I think that's Paul Rudd, or it's- four brown cubes <laughs> I'm not sure some of it is so bad yeah yeah it's pretty amazing uh but yeah no the thing that the but they chose that shot because that's the only thing they that's had the shot they got that's the shot that worked but the, there's actually there's a wonderful shot i won't even say which one it is because i don't want to find it but there's a shot in the lighthouse that goes out of focus that looks like a it's amazing film. it's amazing film uh, four stars one of my favorites movies of the year there's a shot that goes slowly out of focus Four out of 24 and, and they finally <laughs> and they finally get it back into focus but the reason why they use the shot is because the performance is so good that's right so and i was just like that's that's it why, i'm glad that goes okay out of focus. so then why yeah and we wasted our fucking time we're talking about terminator and basically corporate directors well this is like it's this like is the, who the fuck cares when these great films are being made like right so like but no i think it's appropriate to talk about terminator and uh, the experience I, for joe i, and I all do this. i because do with the chateau with the leverage of the chateau is that the chateau is made for you know what fourteen thousand bucks whatever it is who right. knows like very inexpensive movie um and it's one of the cheapest films that i've ever 
And it's and it's it's it shows I've seen the cheaper dude. Oh yeah, I've seen cheaper, but but, but for a movie that I, the, a movie that I really love, like that, that is the movie they cheap. intended to make one hundred percent. It was yes. made to the limitations they had, and they went ahead and made it. And yeah. like, and no one's going to stop you from making that movie because exactly. it's so cheap, right? And the, and that guy has gone on to a very successful television career. He's like he's been a very successful TV director. Yeah, you, you don't know. even mind all the lighting issues. Anything yeah. it's yeah. so you, beautiful. You fucking fall. You fall in love with the fact that it's made with care. You know, like it's a good movie made with. But you're immersed in the world. Yeah, I totally buy it. I totally buy it. And part of it is that I'm seeing it's also a sort of a documentary of itself. Like you know, it's just like yeah, it's this is all they had. You know, they had these actors in this place and a fucking cheap camera, and so that you're yeah, they're filming a story, and yeah, it's a thing you're watching as a story, but you're also watching the making of the movie in the movie. Like they, you can see how shitty it is right. and how it's barely coming together. But that the the guy learned obviously so much from that that he's gone on to be like pro TV director mm-hmm. and very successful. Yeah, but it. he's good with characters. He's absolutely he's great. He's absolutely great. And uh, and yeah. and and gave room to these actors to really explore how to make this thing work. And I think that's totally amazing. Um, the when you talk about movies like like fucking completely visionary movies like The Lighthouse. You know, or um, Killing the Sacred Deer. Uh, that's Dave, uh, not Dave Eggers. That's a writer. Um, uh, uh, Eggers is his last name. I can't think of his first name. He directed The Witch, mm-hmm. and uh, which I liked. I did not like The Witch. I, I I liked The Witch, but The Witch didn't go far enough for me. The Witch was good, and I came out of it going like, There's I think this guy has something, but I'm not something sure. Missing. Yes, I agree. Major parts of it. I'm like, yeah. Ugh. The The Witch almost works, uh, but. It, he fulfilled the promise of the good stuff of the witch you know, with the lighthouse. He's like, I'm going to do it all correctly now. You know, I've, I've learned it. Same director, same director. And so like he, he, so he looked at what, like, I, I believe he has said this about the witch as well. I mean, like he had, he has reservations of how well it turned out. And, uh, and, and so he went, he thought really hard before he did the lighthouse and you can fucking tell, like not only does the lighthouse have incredible, vivid imagery like uh uh you know shot after shot after shot it also feels live and exciting like it's happening right now okay do you, you know? get that feeling from oblivion no of course not from yeah, there we go from yeah, what from oblivion so but, so like the, this but this is where i was leading up to is that like the thing is that like with with joe like joe has made a deal to uh because the kinds of movies that he wants to make are these very, very large budget super visual things. And so he's on this very slow burn track that will sustain that. Right. And I can see the value of doing that given the stuff that he wants to do. Now, I think both you and I would agree, and you already told him this is that I think the best thing to do is to tie your hands, tie your hands, get 20 million bucks and go make and a heist fucking movie. Make a heist film. Because Absolutely. you get to know every actor. You'll get to know nuance. Right. You'll get to deal with the characters that they build, the actors build that are basically they have nothing left to do except this because right. it's all over. Okay, right. and well, that intensity, Chris. Hold on a sec, man. This is good stuff. All right, what, no, go go what go. What happened, Chris? <laughs> it's good. I'm going to show you waveforms, Eric. <laughs> it's good. And I have every time I say something, you yell at me. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> it's you did getting something- upsetting. Eric. Okay, you did something a you while. You know that I dominate the well, waveform category. It anyway, it can't be you as bad. Me. It's the rosé. It's the rosé. <laughs> it can't be as bad as. No. You guys going at it. No, no, no. Me going at it. Not both of you. Me. I dominate the waveform and I won't hear anything else. 
<laughs> I know the length of my own I life. I ate form. too much rosé, but you know what? I'm speaking out this time. Do it, it's do it, fine. Do it. It's fine. But the I'm point excited. is, for me, I just I feel one of the big problems is that in it goes to for me what has turned me off the cinema a lot mm-hmm. is that a lot of stuff was is been very corporatized. Yes, absolutely. And it used to be just you know, the bean counters and then the filmmakers who are trying to make it. Now it's become the filmmakers are bean counters. Right. And it's kind of depressing because right. there's no life in this. And it's only the smallest. And then you watch a movie like we did, The Chateau, mm-hmm. and it's like, God, there's some life in this man. Well, and yeah, absolutely. And, and so, it's like, so this is the thing. Like with a, with, a movie like, with a movie like that, that gets my – you know, it starts churning up my. Doesn't let's it make, go make you a movie feel like feel. let's go make it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, going to say exactly like, the same fuck, thing. Yeah, this is exciting. This, look I, this, look this at this how cheap exciting. you can make an right. amazingly right. fun movie. To Absolutely make. awesome. And that was pretty much like the tempo around, the, you know, like that time with right. DV cameras because all the exactly like the Sony's came out this with is the like, Dogman ninety five manifesto. Yeah. man. like just go out and fucking do this stuff. That's that, uh, that's really you shot. You shot. You shot fourteen shorts in five years. Right. Holy but, shit. I did one of them with no script. And right. I got to say, Dan, I got to put my foot down on this. You mm-hmm. need a script when you shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Not just thumbnails. Danger Tokyo, man. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Hey. But, yes. you know, this is, that's the thing, dude. It's like that I, I understand you're upset with uh, your the, but the, the, the source. The you source learned that what, lesson. Just like Tim did with Terminator. You need a script or you need not to be involved with the I, studio. My <laughs> thing is not – that he just to clarify and there's no patching up of this Mm -hmm. i just i i'm baffled by the guy that i only worked there a month two months two and a half months the point is that guy who's a very gregarious and outgoing guy Mm -hmm. he's like a peck and paw type of dude you know what i mean and oh yeah i'll go work for for the studio and James Cameron, like these guys are just fucking corporate machines. Like yeah. this is a unique guy, right? And, and oh, you, and you feel him getting oh, stifled. Yeah, yeah so I'm going to go work for that right. accounting firm. It's right. like why? Yeah, no, that's I, I definitely, I definitely feel I, that, that was to me the right. shocking thing. So you know, like with uh, like, and I understand where you're, where the source of your upset with Joe is, right? But like, with, like no, it's not. I'm not with, upset with, of Joe. He's a successful director. No, no like good just for to, him. It's just clarified. Like it's just I don't want to watch fucking shoe ads. Well, this one, you'll understand what I'm saying when I say this is like you compare Oblivion to say any of the Marvel movies and Oblivion looks like a fucking uh, like Ingmar Bergman masterpiece. Okay, so and if, that's I, because if I compare Burger King burger and a McDonald's you burger. You're comparing him to Villeneuve negatively. So yes, I'm going to compare these things. So what I, I need Albert to say- Mason, Can I make I'm, my point about Jodo? Yes. Because please. you guys have been talking and, and just stop. Just done, stop. Done. He's angry. I am angry because I've been trying to make my point for freaking half an hour, okay, and every time it's like I say one word, you're okay, interrupted. Dan, I have Joe a is second. an architect. <laughs> Joe went to Columbia Architecture School, and right. he was in architecture school about the same time that I did. Mm-hmm. That I was at Rice, and I was watching his stuff in right. architecture school. He is an architect. He thinks as an architect. Yes. So he thinks as an architect, and that's not a bad thing. I agree. There's, there's a lot of relationships between architecture and and composition mm-hmm. and everything else that he does. So he thinks in that way. And then when he did his work and he did – he kind of – honestly speaking, he did the first thing that basically turned the heads around people in terms of what – yeah, the architect, short. architectural animation sh- can be. Absolutely. I remember right? seeing that one. Yeah, there was yes. a desert house piece, right? That's that right. got Beautiful. 
Fincher's attention. Mm -hmm. Fincher got him on, and that's how he got onto right. anonymous content. That's how he ended up started his career. Right. But he always thinks like an architect, right? And there's a lot of people that look at that stuff and go, "Wow, look at that!" I'm one of them, right? Yeah. As I am yeah. as well, yeah. right? And I also believe if you look at, you, you know, you can say he's no, you know, I'm a friend of Jack Kennedy. You're no Jack Kennedy. Right. Yeah. Bullshit, right? Yeah. Who was it that said that, by the way? Was it uh, – That was uh, – He was vice president. He was uh, – no, he was not vice Senator president. Senator, I know Jack Kennedy. You're not Jack no, Kennedy. No, the guy that said that, the Dan Quayle. Dan, he said it to Dan Quayle, but he was he was, he was was running – it was the vice presidential race. For, uh, uh, he, was, he was Dukakis's uh, vice running president mate. Ca running mate. He said, sir, you were – I knew Joe Kennedy. You're was no it Jack Sam something? What was that guy's name? I Sam Neagle? No. No. Anyways, long dead, I think. go back. You basically said the same thing when I said that uh, uh, Joe Kaczynski is inspired by uh, Kubrick, right? Right. He is. But he thinks – Joe is – By the way, Joe – by Kubrick's first film was? Uh, Fear and Desire. His second film was? The Killing. Which was? A noir. Heist. Crime film, yeah. Not right. a heist film. Okay. But Jacques Tati is another one, right? Jacques purely Tati is purely architectural. Beautiful word. Not about character. No. Nope. Just visuals. Just, just visuals. Yep. Comedy. A lot yep. of comedy, yep. right? Yes, so, but there's a sense of, to his work in design, there's a sense of uh, depth and comedy. There's a sense of... There's something human about his work that you would see, like the late Matisse cutouts. There's something real Joe's to it. It's a simplicity. First, first foray into feature films was Tron. Right. That is a huge freaking legacy problem. Yeah, absolutely. Huge legacy yeah. problem. Right. You had, like you had a you had but like the a hung up script. But the teaser, yeah, all he, this the teaser he made for Tron, which got. Everyone's which we blood on. boiling yeah. and going like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. It's boiling, great. I mean, in a good way, not in a furious way. Yeah, everyone's excited. That is a Joe vision. Yeah, you worked on that, right? I did not work on I, that one. I worked on that. You worked on yeah. that one. Yeah. So that is Joe's vision. That's what basically is like, holy shit, look at what we can do that looks beautiful, right? right. And it's a really well-made short. It's a it's really a good really short. It's a really well-made short. It looks amazing. It's exciting. And it looks has great. architecture. It, architecture is a key part of that. Sure. Right? Key parts of the shots, especially with the uh, – uh, um, uh, uh, whatever, Jeff Bridges on there. Yeah. Right? So – that's Joe's thing. Yeah. Right? And the same true is true for Oblivion. There is a lot of flaws in the, the plot. There's a lot sure. of other issues in it. But the architecture is incredible. There, there is this is this is what I say. Like there is a real vision. There's an artistic vision behind Oblivion. And the there's there are flaws in that like the screenplay needs it needs a needs another pass, needs to work. Right. Right. It uh like his uh, like the third act doesn't work once you involve all the rebels because it's just it's just too much going on for the plot to move forward. Right. Right. Um, everything with Cruz is good by himself. Everything with Cruz and his wife is great. Right. And the visuals themselves are are, are stunning. Stunning. Totally stunning. And um, for all the flaws it has, and this is the what, the comparison I was going to make is like like yeah like there's like there's there's problems with that movie. There's problems with Tron. Right. Um, but 
if you compare uh, art- the art- level of artistry going on with a slightly broken, lumpy project like Tron and uh, a beautiful looking and kind of awkward movie like Oblivion compared to an incredibly smooth, professional and absolutely fine looking experience like Endgame, like which I have forgotten. Like that's a studio. That's a studio movie. Yeah, for me, okay. I just so the, I watch these movies and I'm like, this is just towering inferno. But my it, the, right now, this like like Endgame is a perfectly enjoyable and forgettable experience to me. I had a fine time watching it with my son. Totally excellent. I barely remember any of it. All of it was like a B plus. Congratulations, everybody. Three hours long. I don't know what happened in it. Meanwhile, I do remember every visual in uh, Oblivion. Because it's beautiful, and even though it's flawed, I'd rather have flawed with artistry than pure high-level pablum. Yeah, and right? I think you can close your eyes and think of shots on Oblivion, absolutely, and you cannot do that with Endgame. Yeah, exactly. This is what I'm saying. Like, and this is so when we talk about like the studio yeah, problem, I, the studio problem to me is like all the all the Avengers movies, all the superhero movies, basically are perfectly enjoyable product and i have no problem with the mcdonald's hamburgers that they are i'm glad they make them that's great i have no issues with them but uh but when you have someone as talented as tim miller uh coming up against that machine this is what you're saying like it's frustrating when you know this guy has a voice and the last thing the marvel's movies marvel movie has is a voice like it's like why are you even playing ball with these guys they're just going to overwhelm you no i it I didn't even question that. I just, I think for me was like, why, like, he seemed like a smart guy and he's made a successful movie. Like, why would you want to do that? Because I really think Eric is because he couldn't walk away from two movies in a row. Why not? Why not? It's hard to get a third movie. <laughs> no, yeah, because he's no. going to be known no, as the guy second, who walks away from the movies. No, no, no. I can't. I, I no, agree. You it's, just, hard, you it's just, hard to do that. No, no. You fucking lie. He just made a billion dollars on Deadpool. Right. He didn't want to do the second one because some bullshit. And right. it's probably a blessing because somebody actually died on it. Right. So it's just like, okay. And then I'm good. But the point is, he takes that. I I th- I guess I look at things differently from, than you guys, and that's fine. And this is what makes a great podcast. No, I'm just trying to understand. And, and like I just I right. for me, I go back to what I think the problem is. Somebody is I was talking earlier about MFA, uh-huh. uh, what I did in set design, and I studied with like Oliver Smith, a great stage designer, uh-huh. and there was always a purpose to everything. Yeah, and. I felt that way with Blade Runner. It excited me because I knew right. that draw you pulled out, there'd be something in there that I could be like, right. what is in there? And that? you feel that way with Blade Runner of 2049. But you don't see, when I see Joe Kaczynski's stuff, it's like- Oh, I understand. Well, we're not going to agree on Joe. That's all right. We can move yeah, by Yeah, but Joe. the point is, it's just like, like, it's like there's no purpose to anything. It's a car designer designing sets. I hear you. And but for me- the core, the core of your argument, right, is that there is no art there for you, Right. That's well, what, that's it's what just it's. I think it blends too much of the commercial selling to a piece that's trying to sell the reality of somebody's world. What's the most disappointed you've ever been in a filmmaker? That they didn't really try to just do follow their guts. And right. I think w- when I talk about a guy who really kind of it seems like he made a lot of mistakes in life, but at the same time, you're talking to somebody who admires Francis Bacon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he would buy a painting and rip it up in the street saying, fuck yep. you, you're not going to own my painting. Right. I, I just look at things differently and I, I feel like you really only have 
it, if you're going to, somebody said, I'm going to give you $5 million in 10 years and you're going to go down this path and make $5 million, what, what, but you'd sacrifice your, your reputation, right. which, what would you wait? Would you wait 10 years or would you just say, I want it now and fuck your reputation? I, for me, I just, I don't understand how you can make such a daring entry film and then want to be corporate. Because at the end, there's only so much money you can have in life. It's not that I have a ton of money. And it's just, I just, I don't, as somebody, I, you know, I started out as a painter and then I got into film and I worked for directors like Joe Pitka and and Tony Kay and all those guys. And I drove a truck around New York and, you know, and then I got into grad school because I worked for Eugene Jarecki and I did one of costumes for one of his movies. And then they went to Sundance and Mm -hmm. then I got into NYU and then I just... For me, it's like I look f- – like Abel Farrar like made a lot of mistakes, but at the same time, there's something to his vision that it's like you see it in Pasolini. Whether yeah. you like it or not, he's sticking he's to – what to his vision. His vision and right. what he knows. Right. And um, I just – there are also people who I related to painters like Marcus Stabi who's just making it for the masses. Right. And I don't respect that. Right. I don't respect that because it's just like – we already have shit made for the masses. They're called advertising, right. advertising, selling, selling, selling. And out of this glossy world that we have of everything is an ad, I don't want to see an ad in a movie. And could Joe Kaczynski's movies are ads. For what? They just look like ads because there's not a mile wide and inch deep. There's no depth to his stuff. And then the fact that his characters are fucking flat, it's like – I don't know if that's true. That's okay, but you it's say like, that it's not true, maybe because you know him and you want to sound no, good. No, I just for no, me, hold true. on, hold on. That's for me, it, there is no depth to that work. Whereas a Tim Miller, I, you can see that guy; he's douche. Right. But there's in that film, and it's like, wow, it's like Peck and Paw douchebag, and there's something to it. So he's going to make like a sexy beast or right. something where there's a like, oh my god, that character is bleeding out, right. and there's some real depth to that. I actually feel. Like the future is for people like uh, like that right. because there's so much saccharine stuff out there that there's no depth to the visuals that people are going to say, we want these chateaus. Right. We want the, you know, the chateau. We want these kind of things where it's just that particular person because right. I think it's going back to that right. because look at modern art. Everyone's going to the figure now. Because they want reality, or at least the interpretation. Well, I, you know, here's where we totally agree. It's like the is the fact is like good news, Eric, is I got Joe outside the door. That's right fine. Now. Bring the fuck in. I don't care. So let's confront it with Joe Kaczynski. This is going to be a fucking Eric bashing on Joe, but Joe's made millions. He's got a career, and I don't have a directing career. But I'm just saying, I sit through his stuff. I'd rather it's like getting cathetered, man. Right, right, right. No, I hear you. Because hear you. I'm just like, give me something more than just a pretty picture. Right. And I love pretty pictures, but if that pretty picture has a per- like the original Blade Runner or anything, there's- I, I think I think that there's something about the Joe experience in terms of what he has been allowed to do, and that what he does in his movies that uh, that upsets no, you. That, co- no, that it upsets, just that upsets you personally. No, no, it doesn't right? upset me personally. What it does upset me is that people that I respect mm-hmm. say. I really love his work. There's, and I'm just like, it's like saying, well, I really love, you know, like, um, you know, 
pictures of you know clowns with balloons and it's like man i kind of always thought you you had more depth than that well, and that's that's well, to instance, me like i can't believe like for people instance, circle jerk around this fucking guy it's, it's not a difficult argument for you're me gonna to have make. to cut this whole fucking thing because it's gonna ruin everything <laughs> i don't fucking care dude it, you know but the point is a little rosé and i mouth off <laughs> That's a good quote. Mark that. <laughs> but the point is this. I look for the re- realism. I, I would rather see a really great artist make one picture. Right. And it, it's not romanticized. It's just I don't want – when I see guys compromise, mm-hmm. I guess maybe that's with Tim Miller. I feel like I don't really know him, but this is what I'm he saying. compromised this, himself. This seems what is central, central to your argument is that you are offended by compromise. That's right. Yes. So like the you're – like, right, you're, you're, It's very personal to you. Yeah. And so like – Just and, be – it doesn't right. fucking matter. Just be right. yourself because so, that's all we have. I, I think that there's a – And that's a New York artist right. thing and I know. No, I, I'm no, not going to no, be a corporate that, director because no, I'll say, fuck you. This is the way it should be. That's why actually Ted, my partner, does mm-hmm. all the phone conversations because <laughs> I'm like I don't want to fucking talk to these guys right. but he's the channel for me right. but what, the- was, what was the quote I saw today it was really funny it was some uh, it was on Twitter and you and I had both liked it on Twitter it was the guy who said uh, Scorsese just told uh, Feig to go get his fucking shoe bo- oh, shine yeah, box. Oh, yeah, that's the best. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, that was Okay, great. but so so here's good. the thing. By so me good. actually saying that to in, in, in Rob Niederhorst's like edit bay at Speed Shape, I told um, Kaczynski you should make and it wasn't me criticizing him. It was me saying, "Man, if he I, makes a if he makes a freaking heist film, you're going to take all the credit for it." No, no, <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying is. What I'm saying is that when I said it at that point, and I could, you know, I talked to Top Gun is a heist film. They go really fast, though. What I say (laughs) is when I talked uh, uh, to people, I could talk to anybody and I have in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. I could just sit there and talk to Keith Richards. The point is I just knew that he had it in him. Like there's something real in you, dude. This is don't show me Tadao Ando books. This is because I know Tadao Ando. My sister, he was my sister's teacher, and I just am like. I just was like, there's something real in you, man. Just restrict yourself and you'll make a fucking incredible so film this, and it'll open up the floodgates of this, like character. This, this very moment that you're describing seems to me to be the source of your anger. It's not actually anything else in his movies. Maybe it is that he like, didn't. It doesn't matter if he heeded my advice. Right. It's the fact that he just became corporate right. when in deep inside sitting in that edit bay, I was like, you actually are fucking could be a great filmmaker like, right. with Cause like, depth. Because like for, for me, from my point of view, like the the idea like to, to call something like ob- oblivion which is really striking looking like that's corporate versus marvel is corporate like oh uh, I, I can't watch marvel. that crap like marvel is like that's that's boring looking like it's 100 percent boring looking there's nothing interesting looking in those movies at all at all you know they're well they're well enough made and they're entertaining they do their job they're not pretty though they're not very pretty they're not they're, pretty they're, why they're, is that do very, they they just go through it so fast yeah, well, but they, oblivion is really pretty and, and oblivion is like oblivion is super pretty really and it's beautiful. and you can tell that that joe actually cares very much about what yeah, this I is. actually did that waterfall shot where it's going through the waterfall i know yeah. i mean this, great it's shot. a great fucking shot i dude. did that it's a great looking movie. i know and so like, how'd you know because you showed it to me. I worked on a movie, too, from a different studio. Like, I remember you working on that. I was like, that was really cool. Yeah, we no, all, we all look, every, he's got a career. I'm not, I, all I'm saying is, is that- but you, but you said yourself that he has something in him. Yes. And he's not activating it. That's the thing that I think is pissing that's you off what, a bit. Yes. Maybe that's that what's is. Doing. Because 
and it's not because he didn't listen to me. It's oh, not no, an I'm ego not thing. That. I'm, I'm just that. saying because you brought up that heist you story you multiple times. I know, but the you point is, there's, why, there's would you, fucking, why would you not, as an right. artist, say the challenge is not to see how far I can go up the corporate ladder? Right. The challenge is that I say, "Fuck you all." Right. Give me twenty million dollars. Some Arab guy gives him money, and right. he makes a fucking heist film in thirty days, right, right, right. and with sure. some great actors. And he's every night they're eating sandwiches, and like, right. how do we shoot tomorrow? Let's right. shoot it now. Now, right. like that energy, he would be a totally different person. Right. And the way he connects with actors would be different. Right. Right. Um, that Halifax thing I pitched you. Oh, I love it. It's great. That's something he could do. Yeah. It's not, it's I'm not concept. selling it. I'm just saying. It's a great thing. It's a great concept. <laughs> great concept. Because you would be in the trenches with the actors. Right. And you would cross over that divide and push yourself rather than pushing yourself to become more corporate friendly. Right. So, like, I guess my question to you is, like. What I, a show tonight because I'm just fucking. I'm not pissed. You're lit up. You're lit up. It's okay. It's, it's the right. rosé. But the point is this. I just. I sit in the back and it's like. I don't understand. I think the thing for me that got me is that, uh, like I said, I don't know. If I met him a couple times. I remember once meeting Tim Miller. And he's like, "Why do you wear the fucking sport coat?" I was like, "Dude, you got your gig. I got my gig. You know, it's like right, I right, like right. wearing sport coats. Right. It holds a lot of shit in my pockets." Right. And the point is, the, so, the thing so is, dude, the like, fact that he said yes is like, why would you do that? You right. can't tell that you're gonna clubbed over the fucking head. Right. Well, the thing like is, so a like, seal. So between the, between those two dudes, the one who to me made the corp made the real corporate deal is uh is tim yeah right so that is the like like joe is is sort of splitting but maybe the chris constantly. is right he's like he you know he didn't want to turn two films down at once yeah. but at the same time or long game i'm just saying long game might work it might be it might be a smart play well, might he learned from something. Yeah, like I mean, like if I if I were talking, to I actually think learning from something would be to take the twenty million and and get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, I totally, he's building up his comfort zone, right. Joe. It seems to me, right. where I just want to build it up. Did and, we ever see any of you guys see the 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 firefighter? Movie? I did not see the firefighting movie. It good? good. Yeah, I did not see it. It wasn't I even heard. It's really good. Yeah, and it's got. Uh, yeah, I heard the acting is good. Acting is the, good. Uh, it's staged really nicely. It's. I heard that the script is solid, if predictable. That was. But like here's the, the question: thing. Why is it that it sounds like what he did with that is what you were asking him to do? Like take on something very small and intense. And he did, but that. it's fire. You never touch fire. Don't play with fire, Dan. I just made that up. But the point is, why is it then if you were his agent mm -hmm. and somebody said, oh, he's a brilliant visionary, but, you know, the scripts are soft, you know, right. in terms of like, wouldn't you say, look, let's just, let's approach this the right way. Right. But it seems like it was recurring is because he's just rushed into production. You maybe think? so. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, like, certainly, like, you know, Kaczynski doesn't need any advice from me. He's doing fine. No, but, I know. Like, I mean, like, I just, nobody like, listens to this podcast, like, so it's like, fine. But certainly, I would be, I think that if he were uh, to get to to get a great script and work it as hard as he works he everything else. of that caliber? I don't know. Lots of people end up with shitty scripts. Like, Peckinpah has directed shitty scripts before. It's not like fucking Osterman Weekend's a, a, a masterpiece. You know, so like you, sometimes you end up with a shitty script and you have to make it anyway. You're halfway through yeah. pre-production. We just know? taught Robert Altman directed Popeye. Yeah, Popeye. exactly. This this shit happens. Shit happens. You know, but I mean that's that's the thing is that I think that uh, that I I completely agree with you and to bring the chateau back into the conversation, which has been a great leverage point for this whole thing, is like that is that is the like the making of that movie is, here it is. the purity. Like here that is, is here, this here is, is what you're talking about. Here here here's what it is. 
we are talking about two guys who are obviously very talented and brilliant. I'm not dissing on these fucking right. dudes. And I'm projecting onto them a little bit in no, each case. No, who? Me? me. No. Me. Uh, yes, I'm, me. I'm just voicing my opinion how I don't I like am some projecting, of I'm, I'm taking credit for it. I am projecting my own desires and career needs onto these guys and trying to tell a story about them. So it reinforces my vision of the universe. That's what I'm definitely doing. I don't know what you're saying there. But he's being, uh, But the point is... He's being the Paul Rudd of the podcast. Is okay, he's being a douche. <laughs> but the point he's is... He's the Graham Granville of the podcast. <laughs> what, I'm saying, what I'm saying is that you look at uh, the Chateau mm-hmm. and you look at these two talented guys because it's a tough field and mm-hmm. they're at the top of their field right but they're choosing a corporate long game right that it's like what does that say about you all i know is in the long run mm-hmm. the corporate game you're gonna fucking lose Right, because the people that ultimately they make the, the house always wins, baby. Yeah, but the people that make the decision are people who are just working up a political ladder, sure, and they control your fate. Whereas if you can somehow leverage one great, you know, one corporate film and and then go to a like Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's fucking. He's one of my all-time that's favorites. It. Incredible. That's right, man. Absolutely. What that a guy great. Goes fucking makes movies. He made two movies this year. And you know who else is a fucking great director? Mm-hmm. Tom Ford. Oh yeah, Tom Ford's great, 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 great. Fuck yeah, yeah. incredible so artist, great director, an incredible yeah. designer. Yep. That guy, yeah. that yep. is Without amazing. Uh, Mike Mills, another one. Yes, Mike Mills, fantastic. Right, that's right, totally fantastic. Absolutely, yep. that is what corporate should just be—not your career path, but a, a, a right turn. Right. So you get the offer for Terminator? No, never. You know never. why? Why is that? Because. You're gonna have to edit this out, but I, I've heard he, I've heard he's an incredible douchebag. But Cameron, yeah, like I can't believe that it would be a surprise to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, like, I don't certain. have to edit that out. It's a well-known fact. Yeah, like, like and to, so, so here's I've, the thing I've for me. Only heard here's he's the a nice thing guy for in me. And horrible if I had that opportunity, <laughs> and you know that you had to work on a corp. Right. Big corporate film plus with a fucking douchebag. Right. It's a double shot. You will right. never win. Right. And yes, he's made all these films and you know, turned down something. But then you have to weigh, do I want to make $5 million now or wait 10 years but have right. my dignity right, as right, an right. artist? Right. And that's where you have to say, you know what? Just go. I just made, hey, you know what I just did? I just made Deadpool. Right. It made a billion dollars. I'm asking for $30 million to do this heist film. Right, 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 right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Then you do it. No, the thing is, man, I, I have a personal experience in this, right? Which is that, and this is on a 0.3% scale, right? But I got hired uh, by Vice and Fox to direct one of the uh, uh, the Planet of the Apes. That's right. And it films. was really good. I saw it. I appreciate that. Thank you. And I mean, and the thing Not that's so much almost, your work, but everybody, but everybody else's work. Yeah, yeah. Picked it up. Craft service. The, um, the uh, craft, oh God, craft services was great. They were great. What so a selection. Fantastic. Yeah, it was really It was impressed. like the fatty Very, stuff and yeah, the not fatty exactly, stuff and yeah. vegan. And, and you know, you know, it makes a difference. Heart of gold. You get whole Twizzlers crew. versus Red Vines. It makes a difference. That's a big difference. It makes a difference. But so the thing that ended up online is good and I'm happy with it. Right. But this is a movie that, and uh, to give credit where credit's due, uh, like I, uh, um, uh, my, my lady friend, Anne, uh, produced this for me. She did an incredible job. And, uh, uh, Mark Pereira, who we all know, uh, was my DP and sort of creative, uh, co mastermind in getting this thing together. And he did a brilliant job. Yeah, he did. Right. And he also c- cut the movie. And, 
uh, we were forced into a position to, we got it down to this absolutely fucking perfect nine minute film and we turned it in and then, and vice uh, was really happy with it. And then Fox above them was like, yeah, but we need this to be three minutes. Nice. And, and I was like, uh, we can't, if we had known that we would have made a different fucking movie. Now I have to cut out yeah. like the heart of the film. And they're like, well, that's how it goes. We need you to cut this. And so we cut it down to contractually obligated. We cut it down and it ended up being a pretty good movie as opposed to the great movie that I made that I'm very proud of and I cannot show. And uh, I got so fucking burned by that that it fucked me up for years. Like it slowed my production to zero. Like I was, I was, I was. So you'd rather be burnt. a Tom Ford than a Joe Kaczynski. I, I, I definitely got burned by that scenario. I, I I'm not. So I, sh- I, I'm not I, directing. I totally, I totally I'm not directing anymore. <laughs> I'm just writing and creating right now. But no, no. And by the way, no. I, no, I would rather be a Tom Ford than than a fucking. Like I would love to take the Terminator deal. I would love to take the Terminator deal. And if I could figure out a way to do it, I would take it. So I understand where Tim's coming from, but I, I think that the, the, the. The fucking sadness that, I, and this is, by the way, the people that I worked with on on that project were fucking amazing. Everybody, Vice was awesome. Uh, everybody, awesome. Um, but the the disappointment that I felt um, hollowed me out creatively, and it was hard. It was incredibly hard. And so, like, uh, like the temptation of the Terminator deal, like I would definitely feel it. But I, I, I think ultimately, if I were smart, you know, I would look back at my bad experience and go i've got if i got if i got depressed over a fucking three minute movie you know like how would i feel over uh over over a disaster you know where i really lost control of something and, i don't think you can do it and yeah it's just like i, I you I, you you honestly speaking dan i just i don't think you could do it really no i i don't think you can take those blows i mean you're very sensitive i, I would i would be you I, are would, very sensitive and it would be a hard thing man every thing. little thing would upset you well the thing is like well, the thing is that i, and, I, I, and feel I like, think a lot of people had to make some compromises and work with through them and do whatever i don't mind like and you know this when we work together on the on irl it's like i like if i if i put something out that uh i'm that i'm happy with right and uh and other people don't like or criticize that's cool by me like in fact i had a back and forth the guy who uh yeah but you don't who loved who loved uh like uh, who uh when i put up the zombie movie uh a guy wrote up a, a terrible review of it and i wrote to him and i was like and i read the review and i was like this was a fucking really smart uh dissection of that movie i disagree with you that that's that's fine right? that's but not no, what i'm talking no about. wait let me complete my point that that it is not about uh like whether or not work is successful like in terms of like making money or people liking stuff it's if i felt like i uh lost control of my art that is horrible right and you were gonna have to do that to make a movie you will so you're that's why that's why it's never gonna happen right because you're never gonna be able to do that right you're upset about every time something like that happens Right. And, right. and that's going to happen every time. It probably happened for Tim on Deadpool. Right. Right. And he, he, he worked it out and he found a way to make it work. Right. He, he was gifted with a sh- small budget. He was gifted with a right. 
a doing the chateau for a superhero film. That's right. about as close as you can get. Right. Right. So he, he was gifted with that. And right. that allowed him to basically say, we'll just do it this way. Right. right? But what do you bet that him and Ryan Reynolds had a lot of confrontations? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Sure. Because yeah. Ryan Reynolds had a lot to do with Deadpool as well. Right. Absolutely. Uh, which is why Deadpool 2 and, and eventually Deadpool 2 had killed their relationship, right? right? So that is – you're not going to – you're going to have to be able to walk away. Walk away or work with it. I bet you every director has to deal with that. Oh, yeah, but no, that's the thing. Joe like, had to deal with right. it on Tron. I'm sure tr- the, the, right. the plot the, – the, the flatness of the plot had nothing to do with Joe. This is his yeah. first film, and he's doing a massively expensive right. Disney film. Well, this he's not going like, to go like, "Hey, I don't agree with this plot. I'm no, fucking like, nothing to do with so this." So this is the, like, if I if I were if I, if I could choose between being uh, Joe post Oblivion uh, underperforming, right, or Tron underperforming, uh, or or uh, Tim, I would be Joe uh, because uh, like like I could feel I could look at Oblivion and go like, well. Nope, like it didn't. It didn't work, but that's my movie. Yeah, but everyone who's ever seen that movie goes, "Oh, I didn't like it, but it was beautiful." Yeah, this one. This one I'm saying, dude, is like that's yeah. like this is the that's what I'm saying. Like all the work I have ever done. And the way that Joe did it is that he's basically instead of in, he fought for what he cared about. All right? the, all the work that I have ever done, right? Everything like from. Uh, the thief cutscenes to uh, putting out a hole which has its own following to uh, spoiler to whatever like all of these things except for Planet of the Apes I had control over right and all those things had plenty of like the the game that I wrote like with my friend uh, Todd Shaughnessy and Chris Elliott uh, you know they, they like offended people so badly they almost got into a fist fight at a, at a convention uh, with these people that were so desperately offended by it like None of that's a problem. Like that's never a problem. Failure or or like not making any money, who gives a shit? People not liking it doesn't make any difference. But uh but thinking that you have control and then someone going, I'm just gonna fucking scoop out your movie and put this out instead, like that's like someone taking your baby away and it's fucking yeah, awful. Yeah, but that's the I know it sucks, but even with the thing that I'm doing now, mm-hmm. I I know it's going to be taken away. And if you make that decision early on, it's no, okay. it's not a decision. I just, I'm the reality is I know that, yeah. And so if, I, I just kind of approach each day like if right. something happens, it's. But the thing for me, it's my childhood, right? And so that's even weirder because it's like the fuck are these guys gonna? But right. I'm just like okay, you know, right. you got to put something out there and right. you got to get beat up a little bit. But all I know is is that whatever I put out there, it's. I did it really, truly expressed in the way it's you. It's me. Yeah. And it feels real and that's fine. And if the guy I mentioned earlier who picks it up and directs it, then he's going to roll with the world I created. You and I have both, like we've both made things that like you, you, you decide that this is going to be a, this is something I'm selling and whatever happens with it is what happens with it. And that's okay. Like that's all you can make that decision in your mind. Like I've done it with art. I've done it with writing. I've done all sorts of like, then you're saying like, you're just making, you're completing it in your mind. You're saying like the choice I'm making for this one is to put it on the table to get sold. I'm putting a price tag on it. Right. And whatever happens with it, whether people do now, it, that's I think, okay. I think for me, I felt, and I, I was telling this the other day to somebody, 
I actually already, I already won. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I haven't made a penny from it, but the fact that I sat with Alice in May. Oh, it's great. It's incredible. We got to, we got to not talk about this on the podcast. You got to, yeah. Legal issues. I don't want to have to edit too much. Yeah. No, 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 no. It, the point is that to me was like, oh, right. That's the that's the win. Right. That was what the happens? win. Right. You've made a decision in your heart as to what the win was, and you have the win. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So, like, like for me, when I was doing Apes, right, the win was getting the fucking movie that I came in and made that was great out in front of everybody, and that's not what happened. It was a lose, even though everyone liked it. Yeah. That sucks. That's what I can't put up okay, with. Okay, so then going to this is that you go through this whole process with Deadpool, and it's not like shooting a chateau where you know you're in a house and you know okay the lighting's fine for me because the story works mm -hmm. and the world works and you understand it and it's great. Right. But like knowing that you just went through the Deadpool, you're kind of stepping up the game to work with. You're basically walking into a hornet's nest. Right. And it's like, why would you do that? You have this creative freedom now. Right. And you just not only constricted it because you're basically taking somebody else's vision. Right. And making a third attempt at it. Yeah. It's not like the first attempt since yeah. the first one in 92. That's yeah, been it's shitty since 92. fucking attempt. Yeah. Okay. That's strike one. Right. Second is this guy's got a fucking mouth off all the time to tell you what his vision was 30 right. years ago. Don't care, okay? Right. And then the third is like you're you're basically setting yourself up to work in a corporate behemoth, whereas everything you've done since then is on your own terms. Right. right. That it's not a criticism in a sense, and don't get me wrong, it's not a criticism. It's just I'm baffled, right? Because out of the two directors that I work for, he seemed like a really sharp, right, street smart guy, right. And it's like, what? Why would you even think of that? Right, right, right. I'm going to go down this alley, and you know, because in, like in 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 a perfect world, like where the corporations make good decisions, I would love to see that movie. I would love to see what he would do with that. Maybe but he, I maybe don't. He made I think that. we might have touched know. on it earlier. I don't think they're in the situation to make good decisions because I think all of those studios are gripping the steering wheel so tight. Yeah, it's a mess. Because Every, they're about to lose everything. All these people that worked up the political struggle game right. to become ahead of this studio and this and that, what you, what their, their jobs are in they jeopardy have to get, now. They have to get to the point. They have to come to the breaking point where they, I mean, and this is no offense to Tim Miller, where they don't go for Tim Miller. They go for the Safdie brothers to direct their fucking movie. Like, they, if, you, if you, like, we're just like, we can't even, well, like, we need something totally off the wall and we're going to give $25 million to the Safdie brothers to make a Terminator movie, then I believe they're making a good choice because then they're that desperate. That's when they're in co higher Coppola territory. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Chris just held up a, 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 a postage stamp image of uh, Yafet Kato from Alien uh, as Alien is now owned by Disney. It's Yafet Kato smiling as uh, his character in Alien. It says, Disney alien <laughs> in very happy and font a bunch of them this one is from fight club oh yes disney's fight club <laughs> fuckers <laughs> when did how did when did that happen when they bought fox when they bought fox oh, they own right. all this shit now yeah so like disney's diehard disney's diehard yeah it's like this is such a fucking disaster dude like, like disney buying fox and now they're you know so it's for somebody horrible. like this the studios are in it dire straits there's a real problem out there right and 
you're the traditional studios. Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. It's the like traditional studios because I mean, let, let me come on. There's the big elephant in the room. We we managed not to talk about for two hours and forty nine mm. minutes is uh uh uh. uh uh, Scorsese's uh, op-ed piece. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his op-ed piece that came out yesterday or today. Right, right. Which, before we get into it, I just want to say, I think, and not only do I agree with what he's saying, obviously, but like I... Then you agree I, with me. Yes. Yeah, okay, we all course, agree. Yeah, yeah like the, the thing... you, Chris. You the, 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 not only do I agree with him, I also have to compliment him on some A-plus campaigning for Oscar. This is how to do it. Yeah. Like, I'm just like... I know you believe everything you're saying, and you really this is actually all meaningful to but you. Basically, but you're, also <laughs> you're basically telling the academy that if you don't agree with him, I was just like, that is some savvy bananas right there. Man. Yeah, that's some good work. You know, it's just like this is some muckraking extreme because he he is absolutely honest in everything he's saying there. He's not he's not lying, but yeah. also that is how you win a fucking academy award. Right he there. doesn't even need another. Yeah, Oscar but it's, you know that this you is know what he doesn't he doesn't need great. another Oscar. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about it. What he's doing is he's basically telling the studios, or the Academy more specifically, mm. that's the future of cinema right now. Right. If you care about art, you have to go here because yep. whatever the fuck's going in theaters, it's, it's all shit. bullshit. <laughs> it's shit. Right. And it's no, it's awesome. going to destroy the art form. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's all about I the art form. Well, that's, the, that's, that, that's his point, right? right. And he was, I, and I, I get it. I get it. And you can argue about like, but I think that you know, you know, there's great uh, storytelling or whatever. And Marvel's like, that's fine. Like, I don't you think, he, I don't and think. He, he, but he said it's a ride film, which is actually, I think, the best description. Absolutely, yeah, it's and a great to, ride film. These are great ride not films. Not to say, yeah, but so is Tower and Inferno. No, that's a kind of, it's a Abs- mediocre ride film. Like it's Avengers is good film. stuff. Yeah, but Avengers is good ride film. Sure. But it's still a ride. Absolutely. And like I, it's a pizza is a pizza. A delicious pizza is delicious pizza. Yeah. Like I don't have any complaints against these movies. I only I only have the complaint that their technique and their distribution dominates absolutely. If there are everything. so many pizzas in the room, nobody will know of other good food. Yes, that is the only problem we're talking about. That's and exactly the analogy he right, uses. Right. Right. That's really? the only issue that's a, Yeah, uh, it's exactly what he said. Pizzas? He basically said in his thing is like he goes, yeah, but everyone loves these movies and they're making a ton of money. He goes, that's because there's no choice. You walk into a movie theater and all you have is Marvel films. Right. So the you don't have a choice to see anything different. Right. So when you say they're in demand, it's because they don't see there's any other else. choices. Right. And, right. and there's the two negative effects here are that because like that there are movies like The Irishman is from Netflix and it will be on Netflix. Like there is like there's plenty of there's good movies will still be made. They'll just be made for Netflix and streaming. But there is a range of movies between uh, the you know zero budget and eighty million dollar budget. Right. That's going to be much harder to make. Like you don't make the China syndrome anymore. Right. Like that's really hard to make. No, you know? no, no. It doesn't happen. Right. But what happens is Chernobyl. Chernobyl, which is a six-hour miniseries, right? That's fine. And the thing is, like, exactly. I'm right. okay with that. Well, but I, I, the, the, the thing with it is, Chernobyl is very, very, very good and would have been great at two and a half hours. It's a very good movie. At could six, be, could right? be. But it's because what we we're talking about before. It's just like, like you're. Because like, the only get, way to get people to watch it is to make it really like a, make it event length, right? And it becomes a little bit of wheel spinning. Like there, you're just like holy people, shit, just make a fucking movie. Are not, well, there's several things. I also think movies are too expensive. Well, yeah, this is also true. Uh, not just as a budget, right? 
but as a price to go to the movies. Oh, yeah. you can't yes. do it. Yes. It's just 15 like, bucks, 20 nobody bucks. realizes like, uh, I'm sorry. We, no, we used to, no, you're right. We used to, you and I, we used to go to the movies and it was cost $5. Yeah. Right. But for us to go, uh, you know, at least for myself and my wife and our daughter, we got to get a sitter and then we got to park it at the arc light. Then we have to, you know, get the tickets and it could be a hundred and sixty dollars at the end of the evening after right. the, for a movie yeah plus we're paying the sitter so included the sitter cost right but that's just like that's huge and then the choices are shit yeah yeah it's like why bother why bother going why bother going right. i'll just stream you know one of my favorite i love this quote by the way this is from a, a good friend of mine uh, who worked, I won't say his name, but I will tell you what he was talking about. He he was working on one of Cary the Spider-Man movies, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was on set and stuff like that. And he was, they were trying to, uh, trying to move stuff to get a camera working through the set. And then he realized like, oh fuck, like it's not going to work because apparently instead of making part of the set out of foam where you can easily move it around they made it out of real rock and it was like they had to get a fucking fort lift to move it <laughs> right, and everything. Right. it was ridiculous and it was it wasn't it was you know one of those 200 million dollar whatever movies and he was frustrated and pissed off was like oh shit we got to get this done in like 10 minutes and it's going to take us half an hour mm-hmm. and the dp who's very famous dp obviously on mm-hmm. spider-man 2 uh look at him like dude dude chill out <laughs> and it's like but we gotta get this loud, so expensive. Right. Uh, and the guy says, You know what people are gonna say after they see this movie? And he goes, What? What do you wanna do for dinner? Yeah, no shit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No one gives a shit. Yeah, exactly. You know, like there's a, like there's a there's there's a time you look at the best picture list for nineteen seventy six and it's fucking all the president's men and taxi driver and like so you're just like these were the top grossing films of that year and, and they were big movies they were big movies and they're fucking works of art and you look and at it's the amazing. best best uh picture films of 2018 mm-hmm. or the last one whatever mm-hmm. it was most of them are films that no one's yeah seen. exactly right it's true and it's going to be true again this year even though this year i have to say was one of the best years of film in a long 15 time. or 20 years. Yes, yeah, but there's really mostly stuck. films that no one's seen. Right. Almost nobody went to go see any of these things in the theater. Nobody is going to see The Lighthouse in the theater. No one's going to see fucking... Most people are not going to see The Irishman in the theater, but which here's, is obviously here's meant a, for the theater. Here's the thing. If people don't know that the theater's there to challenge you in the way that we're talking mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, 20 years of viewing marble shit and yeah. you know, I'm not saying Oblivion, you are, but you know... Uh, <laughs> and Oblivion. And Oblivion. Uh, no one will know about those type, you know, the lighthouse. I think you're right. And, I, and it's I think just like, it's, there's going to be a huge, You guys never knew gap. about the Chateau, right? Right. And there's a ton, there's probably a ton of movies. Like that was a movie somehow, I don't know why it stuck with me because I was good movie. flabbergasted by how cheap it was and how right. fun the characters were. Right. And, you know. It, w- it made $200,000 in the movies. Sure. It played in seven theaters. Yeah. I think it made $11,000 in France. That's Nicely the only two places, it, it, it's <laughs> two places it played. Right. Uh, and that's it, right? right? So they probably made their money back with that 200000 by the way. Yeah, yeah. They did. I, I think I told you a story like years ago, my wife and I were at, at Barney's in New York and like this woman said, oh, my friend's a filmmaker. And we ended up at Everett Maisel's place at the Dakota mm-hmm. where they right. shot. Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, 
what he he had an argument with Michael Moore, and he said, you know, uh, McDonald's has sold over three billion hamburgers or something. It doesn't mean that they're great hamburgers. Right. It just means they've sold a lot of them. This means they sold a lot of them. Like, <laughs> yeah. what kind of hamburger do you want to make? Right. Right. And and what kind of hamburger? What hamburger you make? You know, what does it mean to you? Right. You know, and it's simple, but at the same time. I think the problem is, is that we've skewed and there's no, honestly, it might sound like, you know, curmudgeon I, about the, you know, the, the Tim and, and, and the, uh, uh, Joe. Right. It's just that when you're bright and you have the opportunity and you take a corporate fucking stance rather than some sort of more of an original stance, mm-hmm. then it's kind of like. Yeah, I fucked it up but, myself. I know how exactly how it feels. But the and point is, I feel like <laughs> in the end, the end is um, for the sake of the art, there's got to be, you know, do a corporate and then do a heist. Mm-hmm. Something real. I because, mean, Soderbergh is the guy that does yeah, this. The because, one for them, one for because me. Because what you're them, doing is me. also preserving the fucking, you're not climbing the corporate ladder. You're preserving right. an art form as well. well and, and for me, when I see all these, like, just doing shit movies or movies that are huge, and blah, 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 it's like, Oh, man, give me some depth. Well, because yeah, like you have it, depth. You look at uh, the way the Soderbergh works. Like Soderbergh made uh, two movies this year, both of which I didn't even know he was making. Yeah, like he just was just like, ah, I made another movie, and I made another movie, right? And one of the and one of them was very good. One of them was one of the best movies of the year, which is uh, a High Flying Bird, right? He shoots on a fucking iPhone. These movies, you know. So he's spending the money on getting good actors, and that's the end of it. That's all he does. You know, so he keeps the money down because he's not even shooting with like a lot of lights. You know, he has, doesn't have to do anything. And that is the attitude I think that uh, trains you the best, you know, because he can make a movie and it can be okay because he's going to make another movie soon. Like maybe that, maybe Unsane didn't work. Fine. I'll make this movie. I think movie that's instead. the Tom Ford thing. Yeah. Let's fucking get I him just, out there. I think, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I used to know this guy named Psycho Mike. Maybe he's listening. Hey, Psycho. Uh, I, he was a painter in Italy when I lived in Italy as an art student that I knew mm-hmm. and I would see him or go to see him at the studio and he'd be like ah, I'm just I wake up every day and just clean the pipes Sheely <laughs> and it basically just had to get shit out right. you know like right. on the canvas or it's true sure in his work and that's just it you gotta just get it out and um, when you see people like you know these look like the guy we saw tonight in Chateau he was just cleaning his pipe the pipes yeah, it's just another thing but you doing. know what that all added to something better in his yeah, career absolutely because he just created and made right. and you know i just well it's like and, and not to get too therapy about it but like uh, that is the le- that's the lesson that i'm trying to take from that kind of stuff it's just like you know i look at like i look at my own productivity and see where it took the hit and it's clear that the answers get back to clean the pipes mode you know but uh but i i I got bit really bad because I, know. I made the fucking corporate choice. But you're a great director. I appreciate I've seen that. your you work, and I've worked with you. Now, you you're a really talented guy, and you know I think it's almost like you. I'm not not the thing that I told you about, but I think you, you just got to you have to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe do a heist film, not the one I pitched you. But the point is, do <laughs> some solution to it's a fucking well, solution. Here's, it's a here's good what solution. it is because <laughs> it always hits on the what people like want the most because they feel like it's just going to save them. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like if I get this money, 
I will be a better person. Yeah, everyone and you can you get know in touch with false, that feeling. Sure, sure. But yeah. to get to that point right. is a really intense um, a part of humanity. Yeah, this is going like, to make it. I'm going to finally always, get out of the hole. I know. Yeah. And it's even like those moments in Serpico. No, no, Dog Day Afternoon where they're in the bank. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, you know you're money. not going to get out. Sal, Sal what, where would you go? Where you want to go with all this money? Yeah. You know, what country do you want to go to? Uh, Wyoming. Yeah. Wyoming's not a country, Sal. <laughs> <laughs> it's be- it's so beautiful. It's so it's so watching that was like uh, when I was watching um, Basquiat over mm-hmm. the weekend because I worked in the galleries in like the late eighties. So right. one of the parts, the Parker Posey's character, I actually worked for. And it's Jeffrey Wright playing Basquiat. Is that right? Yeah, he's yeah. fucking great. That guy. I think that's him, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a knockout. And. I lived down the street from Schnabel. I remember he was casting because I, I I was like, I'd run into people in the street. Like, I just auditioned. Right. I'm like, why would you work for that? <laughs> <laughs> Schnabel. Schnabel makes some good fucking movies, man. He's, He's a better talented than a motherfucker. Painter. Yeah. God, dude. Yeah. Diving Bell and Butterfly is a masterpiece. Boom. That movie's an atom bomb. But Basquiat was so beautiful. Yeah. And I literally worked on for a Nina Nose mm-hmm. um, who discovered him. Uh, Jean Michel and I had a friend in high school and prep school who was friends with him, and they would go out partying. And I'd be like, "Fuck, man, that's incredible! Your friend's Basquiat." And she stuck me in his. He passed, and then I worked in his studio for her. It had no heat, and I'd have to lick envelopes with stamps on them for her gallery shows. <laughs> right. And I'd have to wear like gloves with no fingers, yeah, and it was on. like the worst. The art life, but the my wall yeah. was all his drawings yeah. and stuff, and they so actually good. shot the film in there when they. Oh, you know. that's neat. But that's neat. the thing was, it's like, what a beautiful time that was, though. Oh, it they, was really fun. To ta- see. I, did we talk about it last time? Uh, uh, David Lynch's mo- uh, the movie on David Lynch called The Art Life. I got to see that. Oh, dude. Yeah, it's we like did talk about yeah, it. Like, we did talk about it because you were talking about how he's just... He just fucking... He's like, painting. He goes... He we has, talked about it because we talked about how there was... Uh, uh, Am my, I too crunchy for this show? What, what's, 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 what, what's your What's your beef no, no, today, man? No, it's no beef. Why do I have a beef? Why you, do you think I... I, I you're like... You're, you're cool. Everything's no, fine. No, 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 no. What? Am I being douchey? No. Everything's no. good. No, I think it's the rosé. I react to rosé. It's all feisty. It's got the... No, I feel like I'm like too arty... In a sense, though, but I think I think what bothers me is you that, have a lot that you need to get out of your system today. No, clearly, no, no. I th- well, I'm frustrated with my personal, pro- you know, what the film I'm or show. Yeah, I'm and that's fine. Right. I'm but gonna- the point is, I feel like um, I feel like there's a lot of great artists, and because the upper tier system is so confused, right? They're fucking it up for everybody else. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they're trying to fucking uh, bail bail the Titanic. And do you know it's what I mean? Work. It's like they're tr- saving their jobs and they'll f- step on everybody else. Yeah. When the reality is, is that artists come here to create. Right. And I'm not saying, oh, kiss our ass. I mean, it's just that they're so stupid in decision making. The I, I should I should you know I've, I've said it before, but like we should look at this time period. And say this is amazing because we are on the verge of the collapse of that system. You think so? And when it collapses, I can't it will see be the beautiful. system collapsing. It will be beautiful because the only thing that can happen out of that is creativity. Like it's magnificent. That's what's coming. Yes, that's what's coming. Maybe I can't Maybe. see the system Hopefully. collapsing. Hopefully. Maybe. Hopefully. Like here's the th- here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Whatever we do, no matter how cheap it is, mm-hmm. still. Even the chateau cost 
probably about fifteen thirty thousand dollars. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that so is a super cheap for a film, but that's a lot of money. Right. To paint a painting doesn't cost you thirty thousand dollars. That's right. Right. So filmmaking is the, the expensive most, fucking habit. the most expensive art form. Yep. Which basically means you're going to have to bow to but where the I money th- comes from. I think to contradict something I said earlier, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I just here I think some of the things that we had mentioned earlier was Paul Rudd um, was doing it, but it was almost like he was training a concept. Yeah, he's practicing something. Practicing, he's and Joe out. was doing something where he's slow moving, practicing for this whole right. long. He's game. got an idea. The long and it's game. like yeah. that's what it is, right. and it's just. And the thing is, like right now, like I mean, uh, aside from the fact that I have a a really good camera at home that was twenty five hundred bucks, right, and I have a system that I can edit material on, and I have a, I have a phone in my pocket I can shoot the Chateau plus plus on easily. Like the Chateau is thirty thousand dollars to make when they made it, but it's, it's $400 today to, to make that movie, to make that movie. Right. Sure. Um, and, uh, and so that is a movie that can go out. You can go out and make that movie today. And what do you do with it? Where does it go? Who sees it? Like this, this is, that's, that is the actual uphill battle for the Chateau now, not the cost, but what is the system you use to get the Chateau scene? Because when the Chateau came out, it was a the TV system revolution. Was, it was it was an open artistic environment where they would play that at the fucking art houses easily. You know, maybe not that particular film, but every Dogma ninety five film with even lesser known actors. Yeah, you know, and there was a distribution system that that encouraged this stuff and produced directors that went on to direct big stuff for the studios. So the the Le Chateau is. Uh, or the Chateau is uh, a fantastic thing to be making. And I don't mean this in a critical way. What do you do with it today? Right. No one actually saw it. Right. None of you guys saw it. Yeah. Yes. But it was a, it was basically a practice run for a lot of the actors yeah. to move forward. Right. So like what, like you have more, we have more ability to physically go out and make that movie today, just ourselves, a movie of that level. And, uh, and you can make there are people that want to see that movie. Right, that kind of movie. I'm happy to make that. Honestly right. speaking, part of me says like I don't care. I I actually don't. Re- I think that if you, I, I don't know Jesse Peretz or whatever his right. name is. Right. Uh, but I, I you, he really enjoyed making that movie. Yeah, I bet that's you a he did. Fucking yeah. good time, you know. And Shows. I don't think he said he specifically probably built a lot of friendships from that too. I bet sure. you he doesn't actually look at that movie and goes, I really wished I made a lot of money. Like, who gives a shit? Nope. Doesn't make any difference, right? So what he did is he enjoyed it. Right. So the my question is, like honestly speaking, mm-hmm. if I had the choice of making the Chateau mm-hmm. or working under James Cameron to make a sequel to Terminator, right? I'd pick the Chateau, right? Right. At least that's honest for you to say that, right? right? I well, only in retrospect. Right, I would. I think I would enjoy that experience more in retrospect. Yeah, and when that choice actually happens in reality, it's hard. That's a hard choice. It's a hard choice. Yeah, and I, I and just. I, I think and, just clarify. I, I and I said it before. It's just hard for me to fathom that somebody as an original artist like Tim Miller, right, to pick a third attempt at an unoriginal 
Yeah, it's yeah. just it's strange. But to be to be I, I to be, to, be strange. Honest, it's, to me, it's strange from, in this from day my and point age. Of view, if that, if we've I covered that, if we, yeah. if we've if that choice came to me even today after I've already been burned, like I would still have to wrestle with it simply because I I, I would be like, but the thing that we could make is so great. Yeah, but would you, you know? be angry at, if that was you and all of a sudden it only made twenty seven million dollars? I would be no. I, if it bombed, that's okay. If it's not mine and it has my name on no, it, if you that's were Tim, would you okay. be bummed right now? I don't know. I don't know. No, I would not be bummed if I made a movie that I loved and it bombed. I would not be. I would not be bummed about it. I would be like. I would be like, fuck. What do we fuck up? But I wouldn't be like I did something wrong or I should be ashamed or sad. Like I'd be like if I made the movie that I wanted to make and I felt proud about it. That's okay. Here's the thing. I'm curious because I know people who've seen it. I'm curious if that's the movie he wanted to make. Maybe so. Because uh, some of the storylines, so some of the storylines I heard were right. like didn't seem really like him, and I'm not right. going to go into that. Right, I just right. was like, really? Right. And it just seems odd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to end up seeing it, and we'll see like how much of his voice remains in the movie. And maybe it's a great movie. I don't know. But the fact is, like that 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 choice you alone. Think Asia would just eat that shit up? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to predict. Hard to predict. But like the, I, I think that uh, that the studios themselves, the fact that they were trying to make a movie that looked like the movie in the ads for Terminator, this Terminator, I was like, what is wrong with you fucking people? Yeah. Like, I'm looking at that going, nobody wants to see this. Like, I know it. You know it. Why did it happen? Like, maybe the movie is great. I don't know. But the advertising feels like 2007. You know, and it already bombed then. What are you doing? And it's because they're grasping at straws. They're like, we don't, it's a license, the last license we have. Is Make it really? Me, whatever. You know, it's like they're running out of shit to fucking sell us. You know, and they don't know how to make good movies anymore, so they're panicked. I've just heard, it, it, and I will send you this link. I was trying to remember, they, they greenlit some new movies that were like shows, television shows recently. Like, yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff. They, they are running out of licenses. They don't know. And what I to was do. thinking, like the show, it wasn't Love Boat. It was something like, what? I mean, it was like, wow, you guys are really out of yeah. ideas. Just <laughs> fucking nothing left. It. They're uh, scraping it. They're uh, scraping it. And and meanwhile, like streaming, like the the quality of streaming gets better and better. Dude, I can't tell you. I love Ballers. I went through all five seasons. I love The Rock. I'm dude. happy for you. Yeah, you don't that's like good it. Stuff. I haven't seen it. No, I'm sure it's great. I actually Dwayne Johnson's a great, great Dwayne Johnson. I love is that dude. Amazing guy. I love that guy, man. He's actually, like Jim have you guys? Have me. you guys? I mean, it's goofy and it's hilarious. Speak up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, what's uh, uh, him and? Oh my God! Why am I blanking on the name? Uh, where he plays the FBI guy, uh, Dwayne Johnson and. Short black guy who recently had a car accident. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Oh, yes. Love right, right. Kevin Hart. You see the Halloween What was that thing? movie? I don't remember the name. The two of them that, that they basically were in high school together and, and Dwayne Johnson was the fat right. guy, et cetera. That's so funny. Jumanji is good. Uh, I've not seen – yeah. I'm Jumanji is really good. I, I love, love Jumanji. I like the You rock. know why? Because they're great, great actors, yeah. great characters. Dwayne The Rock players. Johnson is like my James Garner man. You know who I really love in the same mold and and is a really good actor. James The Rock Garner. Johnny Halliday. No, but um uh the guy who is also a wrestler who is in Oh yeah, uh Guardians uh, of the Galaxy. St- uh, st- uh, uh John Sarah? No. no. Uh he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. He is in Blade Hulk Runner 2049 in the beginning. 
Oh, uh, right. He's in Stuber. Yes, he's he's. Uh, I can't think of his name because I'm embarrassed. Uh, Batista. Dave Batista is amazing. Like he is an amazing comedian. And then I saw him in 2049, and I was like, and he acts. That's incredible. Like he is just Dwayne great. the Rock Johnson's really talented actor. Oh yeah, I love him. I love Batista him. was good. Yeah, Kevin like, Hart in is hilarious. Is amazing. Oh, he fucking kills it. He he opens that movie. He opens and the movie. Owns it. He it's, owns that owns it. role. Really great. Absolutely great. Okay. We got to wrap it up, you guys. Folks. We got ready? another thing. We have to check our Instagram. I really think, and you Facebook. know what's really cool about about uh, uh, this episode did not go anywhere close to where I thought it was going to go. <laughs> yeah, but we've brought up some amazing conversations, and I'm glad you guys saw that movie. Oh, it's I great. really hope. Really Thank it. you for recommending. That, I really I, you basically were like I said to you a couple weeks ago. I don't think I talk enough. And why are you making this all about you, Eric? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Eric, your contributions to this conversation were fabulous. They always are. Every time. I love what you're talking about. He's got an eye for the microphone. Being a douche. But I, I literally, I spoke up today. And I think my frustration is, is that I think I'm not being arty and everything's crunching granola, but there's got to be more Tom Fords out there. Absolutely. And the theater when you walk in should be choices of... If there's eight theaters, there should be, you know, four Tom Ford type movies. Yeah. And the lighthouse or, in every other. And the lighthouse <laughs> and then a couple Marvels. But when you yeah. go to the theater and you look up at the board, there's not, I'm like, I, I don't know. Make the Marvels. I love the Marvels. It's great. I want to see those. Uh, I want to see that stuff too. I'm not, I don't have anything bad to say. And it doesn't but I also mean it want... can't happen. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't mean it can't happen. We just talked about Deadpool, which is technically kind of a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. And, but that's and a smart good Marvel film. Marvel film. Ah, it's but not it's still the, a Marvel film. I know, film. but it's not this and galaxy. So, it, you know what it is? Talk. It's not a four-quadrant film. No. That's and, what a T-shirt should be. It's like, fuck the four quadrants. Yep. Yep. Did. I know. And But, but... You know what was a four-quadrant film? It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man Entered the Spider-Verse. Absolutely great. And Absolutely it was great. a four-quadrant film. Yep. Absolutely fantastic. I yeah, no, but the like, graphics were not four-quadrant. D- they were. They were No, great. they were br- brilliant graphics. Oh, I but think that, that was everybody, not your traditional. No, like uh, that, I think th- four-quadrant doesn't mean four, unartistic. No, it just, no it but it's just you're it. trying to please everybody. Right. Yeah, and it did please everyone. Oh, I know. I think I have the book of it. I just bought it. Well, I this, love this, that. This, this but thing. it's a four-quadrant. Like if every if graphic. four quadrants are pleased, that doesn't mean you are trying to please them. It just means you did please them. Like okay, that's good. Corrected. But the thing is. That's a rarity. There's yeah. a lot of it is. It is a rarity, but it's not impossible. It's not no, impossible. I know exactly. it's not impossible. And uh, and and to be oh, to uh, overall, I've enjoyed the Marvel movies. I like almost all of them. I really like ones like Ragnarok. I want those things to exist, and I think they're great. But I also want them to leave room for. Do you think an, that a, the, a theater experience the desperation that offers something else. of the theater owners and trying uh, to bring people in quickly? It's quick. It's quick. Is that they're dictating on the studios? Just make more of this stuff. Give us more of these sandwiches. I think they're in a tough spot. I think everyone's in a tough spot. I think I don't think they're panicking too. Yeah, like they're every, panicking everybody's too panicking. because they. First of all, people don't need to go to the theater anymore. I know. Right, right. You got 4K HDR Dolby surround sound in your house. Right. Do you have that? I don't exactly have that, but I have something that's you know good. Right, yeah. right, and I don't. You don't need to go to the theater anymore. No, you need you to make used it to com- attractive to go. You to the used theater. to compete with a twenty-seven inch CRT. You That's know, right, seven twenty right. by well, four eighty. I, I tweeted earlier. I tweeted earlier. I don't 
I don't love going to the movies in the movie theater because I'm a romantic about it. I do it because I can't afford a 60 foot wide television. And yes, you can. No, a 60 foot wide television. 60 foot. Right. <laughs> so yes. So the reason to go to the theater is because you cannot have that experience at home. Period. But you do need to make it you are easy enough, and attractive to do it. <laughs> you are close enough to your screen that you can get that experience. Pixel I got to say, I it, saw the Blade not, yes. Runner 2049 at the Santa Monica Theater with my old writing partner. Yeah. And it was this surround. It absolutely does not compare. It was unbelievable, like, dude. I was even the no fonts TV were like, holy at shit. All that comes anywhere close to that experience. But that's period. That's just technological. That's the way it works. You get like, I you saw get, Blade Runner 2049 on the backseat of an airplane. It was amazing. It is, it is an amazing film. <laughs> but this, <laughs> but this if theater, could, if this, this theater in Santa Monica had this special quad sound system. Yeah. You're, I it's don't in have this theater. I can't afford this. And it was, it's called Atmos. Yeah. Atmos. That's it. Yes. It was un- it's fucking incredible. It was unbelievable, dude. But I was fa- like, holy but you, shit. But you do need to make it affordable, easy, uh, and you need to overcome the fact that like the fact that the televisions are great, so people are going to want to stay home. You need to make the process of going to the theater easy and inexpensive. What's ridiculous, <laughs> That's what you need what's to ridiculous do. now, if you really think about it, right, is that they're becoming – Theaters are becoming more and more expensive as we all experience, mm-hmm. right? So there is a laser projector theater, one of the old, very few of them in the world, but there's one in right near, right down the hill from where I live in Burbank, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Dolby Laser, I don't know if it's Dolby Laser, whatever right. it is, the laser projectors and uh, the 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 theater seats mm-hmm. are these, you know. Big couches mm-hmm. where you have all these buttons, like you're in business class on an, air, on an <laughs> right, airplane, right. and you can go up and down, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, that is all an experience that you could mimic in your house. Yeah, it's true, right? Well, like, uh, like there's that. It's basically saying you're in your living room watching a TV, right? And that's what's funny is that the two, the TV, the 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 theaters are trying to mimic that now because all of that stuff is super ridiculously expensive. If you go on a, if you're going to go see the, you know, Avengers on opening night at that theater, it's going to cost you thirty five dollars a ticket, yeah, and it's ridiculous. That's stupid. Dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. That's stupid. So like the the, the that's a huge bump from when right. we were kids. Oh god. $2, oh my god. It was three dollars. It was three dollars, yeah. five dollars a ticket. Yeah. Talk about old man talk. But like the but the fact is like there the bonuses to but see even with like, inflation that yes. is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. The the bonuses of like if you go see a movie in a theater with a crowd that wants to see the movie as opposed to is fucking off their phone or talking, which is a giant pain in the ass. And we all agree that that's true, but we, we have had movie theater experiences with a packed crowd going to see a horror movie that because you're watching it with a crowd, it is 10 times better. Absolutely. Right. And seeing it on a big screen with an incredible sound system that I have no access to is better. Like just as a matter of course. And also in the sort of self-limiting angle, like the fact that I, have to sit in my seat in the dark and there's nothing to distract me is good for the experience. Like that's a disciplined way to approach it that allows me to experience in a way that I normally wouldn't at home where I can fucking stop it and go make a sandwich, which interrupts the flow of the emotions of what's happening. And I'm five fall part of the temptation, but I fuck it up for myself. So going to the movies is still always actually better, but 25 bucks to go see whatever is too much. So I think the solution that's going to happen right is 
Disney or Netflix or whatever it is, is Netflix is going to open up Netflix theaters, which they've already looked into. Like as part of your subscription, as part of your subscription, and you go the movie, whatever they're showing, Chinatown is for yeah. free, and you're buying all the concessions, right? And they're, they're still concession prices. That's the way to do it, right? And then you go to see fucking whatever it is, Bridge on the River Kwai, free. There it is, down down the street from you, and you go, it's free. Nice. I'll pay six bucks for popcorn. But then, if you want to watch the whatever movie, you pay. Yeah, ten dollars. Yeah, I mean, like if you if you don't have a Netflix subscription, then it's ten bucks. If you do have one, then the movie is free, but you're, you still buy concessions and you get like this sort of like Starbucksy experience of going yeah. there. Then that's lovely. So if you join the Universal Club and any new Universal or Fox film that comes out or Disney film, yeah, it's a subscription service. It's subscription based. Yeah, I can theater see that experience. One, right. You know, and maybe like, or you know, like, because I know that Spielberg wants to push the like fifty bucks a ticket Avengers movie. I'm for it. What? Because that will limit the number of fucking screens that crowd the theater with that stuff. Like, you know, fifty. Why bucks does he want to do that? Because he, you know, they pay for that's you know, it's an event movie. You create it like an event, like it's Broadway, and then there, there it is. That makes sense. In my day, Broadway was right. And but you know, like if that's the way they want to do it, that sounds great. Fifty bucks for a ride film. I'll see it once. If they do a really good job, it encourages them to do a nice job, and it won't take up the entire theater. I'll wait for it to come out on streaming. Yeah, probably. All right. We got to go. There it is. You guys cool? Guys, everybody check Instagram. We got some likes. From what? From when I put up the luck alum. Oh, look at that. Yep. See? It's working. It's working already. We have, we have, uh, we have, uh, yes. SWP Architect liked our photo. So, hello, Mm -hmm. SWP Architect. And also... Micronov? Who? Who? Oh, stop. There we are. Villeneuve? Villeneuve. Mr. Villeneuve. There we are. Le Colombe. Our, our debut. Okay, Chris. We'll see how many likes we get. How are we doing on time? We're good. All right, you guys ready? I'm yep, ready, baby. Drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.